1: Boom! There we go. We are live. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benzinga Live. It's hump day. It's our favorite day here at the Benzinga office. Um, I don't know where Spencer is. I guess he took the day off without telling me, but hey, look, that's okay. He's been working hard, so Spence deserves a day off. Let me know in the chat what you guys are watching today. Been a pretty... I don't know. It started off looking like we were going to have a good day in the market, that we were going to bounce back. Let's just pull up the SPY real quick. You can see here, right, this intraday um, sell off that we've had the past, really, since the open. So, nothing really great's been happening since the open. Uh, SPY now down half a percent. Let's go ahead and get the show started.
2: This is Ben
1: Zingawide,
2: Spencer Israel, and producer AB. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? I'm-
1: Someone told me buy high, sell higher. So.
2: Let's get Matt Hammond on the show. Talk to my IPOs. Jake Wojcik from Spider.
3: We have a breaking news.
1: And so it's really more of the same, right? What, what moving the markets. It's just more fears about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. It seems like we're in this trend right now. We're on any pop, right? You can sell that pop um, and, and stocks are moving back down. You can pull up any of your big names, even uh, Apple now now down almost a full percent. Microsoft was in the green when we opened this morning, now in the red. So all major stocks have had this little intraday sell-off. Let's check in on our good friend, Tesla, see how Tesla's doing. Wow. So here's what I think is interesting about, oh, someone no told me I wasn't sharing my screen. This Tesla chart, right? We were holding this level right at 800, and now we've fallen through there. Um, and if we if we can't regain that 800 level, I, I think Tesla, we, we might fall all the way down to around 750 in the interim. But look, I mean, look at this trend from Tesla, right? Ever since we came up here at 1250, we traded back down below a thousand, got back up to $1,200, and then now have come all the way back down, fallen through the support levels, are not really sitting anywhere where we have any support. so. Look, if it were me, I'd second. I'd, I'd question holding my Tesla right now. Not that I think it's got you know Tesla's a bad company or the stock's going to go to zero or whatever. But it, it, if I could get back in at say seven hundred flat or, or six hundred, I'd rather do that than just holding it, watching it in this downtrend. Um, and we haven't really had that much news on Tesla come out recently. There's been some concerns about Tesla's um, market market share in China, that China, you know, Tesla's been a big seller in China.
2: Hey, Spencer. Yo, what is up? Look, I was there in the other studio and now I'm here. That's amazing. How you doing? Talking about
1: Tesla? We, I was talking about Tesla because this chart just doesn't look great. And you can put it up on your chart if you want, because I know You like yours more than mine, but I mean, look at, so we had this double top up here at 1200 and have just come back down. And, but I mean, I'm not saying, so right here we do have, it looks like we were trading at this level for a little bit where we're at right now at 780. We were right here at around, yeah, 778 down here. So this will be an important level today if we get all the way back down, we're at 788 right now. If we get to 780, see if it holds that, if it falls through there, um I, I think we're going back down to 700 flat.
2: Okay. Um did did you hear about the the Lucid Motors recall?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um let's pull up Lucid's chart. It, it was <laughs> it was 200 cars they recalled, correct? Uh something like that. And
2: look, recalls aren't normally a big th- a, a big deal um as it pertains to the stock cuz when you're making tens of thousands of cars a, a year or more than a recall or a a recall of a few thousand isn't a big deal. But when you're making, like, a couple hundred or a thousand cars and you're recalling 200 of them, eh, not great. Not great, Bob.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and Tesla's had some recent recalls as well. But, but again,
2: like, Tesla makes tens of thousands of cars.
1: Yeah, but their, their recalls accounted for actually a, a a decent percentage of, like, the total amount of cars they've sold in the U.S. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't remember that exact number off my head, but I want to say it was, like, a, a good chunk of cars that Tesla's ever sold in the U.S. But but the Tesla recalls were, like, be, with, like, the trunk and the headlights or something. You know, they weren't yeah. um, real, yeah. like, technical issues with the car. Yeah.
2: Anyway, I don't know. Tesla um, has always... I'll, I'll bring up my chart. Tesla has, has always been a stock that I am loathe to try to categorize or put in a box and i know it it probably trades more quote unquote normally now that it's in the s&p 500 and you've got that effect going on um so maybe this is a different um uh maybe just a different uh, uh future for tesla stock um and maybe we can sort of put that crazy volatility volatility of the past behind us um but I've I've never been one to to think oh for example like the market's going down therefore Tesla will go down and the market's going up therefore Tesla will go up Tesla's moves to the beat of its own drum though I guess I'm not so sure about that now that I've the S and P but um.
1: I I mean I still think in relation it, it's relatively still volatile compared to other stocks but I hear you um, what I think is interesting looking at this long term chart and you've got the daily pulled up going all the way back about five years. Yeah. Um but look I, at that I don't, I don't know why I would decide to go this far back, but I did. Look at that trend established um, from from the COVID lows. This guy. Right? You can just draw a line and you yeah. can see where it got overextended off that trend line um and came back to it.
2: My my issue with trend lines is like you can just draw them. <laughs> you can just draw them from the low to the low. You can always make it so it's not breaking below, can't you? Well, that's why I don't like trend lines. Maybe it's just me. Okay. I don't know.
1: My point was that the fact that if you draw this simple trend line and you can see um, kind of where it got overextended, came back down to that trend line, traded on that trend line, got overextended, came back to it, now we're below it. Um, and, and, you know, so I, I wonder if that would be reflected in some of the moving averages. But either way, this just looks bearish to me, man.
2: I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um... The whole market kind of looks bearish to me uh, right now. To be honest with you. Also, I
1: I do want to talk about Asana today.
2: Good. I'm glad. I was I was not going to bring it up, but now that you did. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. Let's get there in a second. All right. right. Let's talk about Coinbase because that's the title of today's show. Um. So.
1: All right. So you'll be. I'll I'll go. Fill me in. Fill me in, please. Fill you in, Spencer. So. Uh, not this previous Sunday, but the Sunday before. It was Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. Um, big deal for for the football teams. Maybe mm-hmm. an even mm-hmm. bigger deal for the advertisers. No, I shouldn't say that. Well, for the ah. advertiser, for the Super Bowl is advertisers Super Bowl.
2: It's like the Super Bowl of advertisers. For advertisers. Yeah, it's the Super that's Bowl. That's crazy.
1: Um, so Coinbase had one of the most, I don't know if you would say popular or controversial, talked about. Let's say the most one of the most talked about. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Um, which was a QR code that was changing colors, just bouncing around the, the screen. Yep. Um, I did it. In a very 1990s uh, DVD logo-esque for sure. type way. For sure. And the, the, Coinba- or the, the Coinbase CEO, Brian Armstrong, took to Twitter. And mm-hmm. um, let me pull up this Twitter thread real quick. Did he just say how amazing the
2: commercial was? Because it was a pretty amazing commercial. I'm not going to lie to you all. I loved it.
1: Yeah, I mean so so let us know in the chat, did you guys do the the QR code? Heck yeah on the commercial. I know Spencer did. I did not, not because I was like boycotting it or anything, just because my phone was charging and I didn't it wasn't enough um for me to to get off my couch to go grab my phone to do it.
2: That's that's always a fair reason not to do anything in this life.
1: Alright, I'm gonna go ahead and share this twitter thread yeah we can do a little group reading here group reading you want to take turns reading out loud were yeah. you were you like a kid in elementary school that hated getting called on to read or no no I um no
2: for for you know what's weird is like how your identity changes as a kid like for a while my when I was like in like elementary school my identity, part of my identity, was I. I loved to read, and I was like a really good, like a good, whatever being a good reader means at that age. But I thought I was a good reader, so therefore it was part of my identity. No, so I, I, I liked, I liked being called on to read out loud. I don't like it now, ironically.
1: I liked it as well as a kid. <laughs> I was kind of the same way. I read a lot as like a a, a young. Wait, Chris, kid.
2: Chris says he scanned it the second it was on screen. I barely made it. To, because my phone was so slow, and the thing kept moving. I ba- And I barely made it to, I, I think I got there with like one second left. But anyway.
1: Um, okay, so Brian Armstrong, CEO of Coinbase. Some folks asked about details of our Super Bowl ad. Here's how it came to be. Um, we bought the space. He's talking about the space, not the commercial, right. not knowing what we would do. Initially, an outside agency pitched us a bunch of standard Super Bowl ad ideas. Didn't like any of them. Um, We went back, brainstormed, came up with a a bunch of wild ideas. We were running out of time. One of the original ideas we had included, putting a QR code at the end. This was partially inspired by Reddit's Super Bowl commercial at previous Super Bowl. Um, And then so he's basically saying they got pitched ideas by an ad agency, didn't like it, went back to the drawing board, was running out of time, and just kind of decided on this internally on a last-ditch effort, and it worked out. Okay. Um, Kristen Cavallo. Mm-hmm. Who's the CEO of the Martin ad agency? Came in and said it was actually inspired by our presentations, our agency, or by presentations our agency showed your team on August 18th, pages 19 through 24. Damn, she bought the receipts. She brought receipts, she bought pages. I was, I was expecting her in follow up to tweets to publish um, the actual receipts. And, and if you know, um, uh, Spencer, are you familiar with ratio? I'm I'm familiar with the ratio. Yes. Okay. So you're familiar with the ratio. But explain
2: it to those you don't know.
1: So ratio, it, it's a it's, it's a, a ver- it's a verb. It's a verb. It's a noun. It's it's anything you want it to be. Um, <laughs> is when someone say I tweet something saying uh, I think or I like Tesla stock and it has ten likes. Yeah. And then Spencer replies to it and says, Well, I love Tesla stock and it has hundred likes. He ratioed me. So it's when the, the uh, rep- it's when the original post. Has less likes um, than a reply Manor or a reply. Cool tweet. So look at this. I mean, Kristen Cavallos has twelve thousand likes almost, and Brian's. I mean, has three hundred. What well, well, the original one had three thousand. So he got four to one, or he got yeah, four to one ratioed by Kristen here, and then Kate, she she brought the heat. And then Kate Rauch, who's. With Coinbase, um, I believe she's uh, on the marketing team, uh, came in and tried to basically, like, save face. Wait a minute.
2: Look who we have here.
1: <laughs> tiny, tiny pie. Tiny Pie's is everywhere. Tiny pie. Tiny pie is everywhere. What are
2: you doing over there, man?
1: Um, so Kate basically says all this stuff. And look how bad Kate got ratioed. So, so, and she basically, she goes, breaking up is hard to do. I wish the team at Martin Agency all the best. So she's trying to save face for Coinbase. This tweet has 24 likes and 120 replies. All right, so so th- there are two kinds of ratios. Right, the reply
2: ratio. So, so there's, the, 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 there's, there's the reply ratio, and then there's the tweet engagement ratio, which I believe, I, 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 I think that the idea of the, the tweet engagement ratio was an idea Created by a former Deadspin writer, I remember reading about that when I was in college. He like had this idea, of, like, "Whoa, if you're if you have a tweet that gets like way more comments than it does retweets or likes, that's probably not a good sign." And so that's what happened here. Yeah, right?
1: and, and you'll see it a lot with like. Um uh, Comments
2: are seen as a negative engagement. Well, not negative. Well, yes, potentially negative engagement. Yeah, hundred uh, yeah, yeah. percent. If
1: you have a tweet out there that has a lot more replies than likes, yeah, it's it's a not a good sign probably for probably not a great sign. not a good sign for your. Shoot, I just had someone in my head who's like a good example of someone who gets reply. Oh, like Darren Ravel.
2: Yeah, he he gets,
1: gets ratioed. I don't years. get it because if you look at Darren Ravel's Twitter, which, I mean, while we're talking about. So if you, Darren Ravel is like a, a sports business reporter. I, I met him once. Really? He's yeah. so a good guy. Nice
2: yeah, guy. Okay. I, mean, I met him for like 10 minutes. And I was like 19 years old.
1: And here's what I don't get about Darren Ravel's Twitter. Yeah, He has 2 million followers. Yep. And then let's like go to his tweets. He'll get like 65 likes on a tweet. Yep. Man, Tiny Pie is really fired up about this apparently. About the ratio thing? <laughs> no, about the Coinbase thing. Oh, this is cool! Look, you can bet on the Golden Tee Golf World Championship. I don't, I don't even know what that is. You don't know what Golden Tee is? No. Golden sure. Tee is the bar at the game where you or the the uh, game. At the oh, oh, bar? oh, that thing. Yeah.
2: Oh, there's a world championship for that? I guess so. Alright, that's kind of cool. Okay. Fu- okay. So Aaron and I both have some owning up to do because Aaron has loved Asana and I've loved SoFi, and they're both getting smacked in the face today. So well, we can talk uh, about that. Well. Yeah. Well. Uh-huh.
1: I, here's here's uh, all right. Let's pull up Asana's chart real quick.
2: And, and do we know why Asana is down? I I do. Do you know why Asana is down?
1: I asked uh, why we didn't. Or, I was looking for a whim. On you it. you asked the news desk. Yeah.
2: Oh come on, man. Should ask you. Should you. Should've... You fill me in here. Wait, I can't find my pro. Oh, is there it because a...
1: Slack was down yesterday?
2: Now that that would be funny, but no. All uh, right, here's my pro. Um, no, sun is down because of Monday.com. Monday.com, MNDY, had earnings this morning. Not this morning. Last night? I think it was last night. Let's zoom in on the Monday chart here. Um, And let's go to news on this. Uh, oh, no, it was this morning. Excuse me. Um, And the bottom line here, you, you kind of have to take these numbers, the Q4 numbers, compared to the estimate with a grain of salt that's not as relevant as the and same with the guidance too not as relevant as like how this compares to prior growth rates and monday.com is experiencing the same thing that every other pandemic play is experiencing their growth is coming back down to earth um it's difficult here uh, you would have had to look at you would have had to have looked at the balance sheet because Monday's only been um, uh, public for uh, less than a year, so we don't have any year-over-year comps to compare them to. But if you just look at the the growth rates of the EPS, uh, not the not the EPS. Oh wait, is that real? Is that right? The EPS hasn't changed in three quarters. That's weird. But if you look at the growth rate of the revenue, right? Um, the growth rate is declining, so that's that's why that's why Monday is down today. So Monday is is down because their growth rate's declining. Monday is the, in the exact same business as Asana; they do the same I, thing.
1: All right, I have a couple things. Uh, okay, go for it. Few things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, com-
2: <laughs> I'll compare. I'll come I was
1: actually very close to selling. Uh, so I did. Sell. So Mon-
2: Monday is down forty percent. Asana is only only. Oh this is this is. Hold on, sorry. Let's, let's screw that. I screw that up. Um, Monday is down twenty four five percent. Asana is only down twenty percent. Cool. What's up?
1: All right. You, yeah. Here's my couple things. Yep. First of all. Yeah. I when I pitched Asana. Uh huh. And I let you as well as the audience know that I added it to my IRA. You did. I, I said. This is not one of my buy and hold forever stocks. And you were like, "What do you mean?" You yeah, head, I, I, did, right. I didn't know you could do that. But all we right. had our conversation. Yeah, we. About we how... I, remember, yep, I remember that. Okay. Um, follow up on that. Yeah. I sold. Okay. Um, some of my Asana on is on the 17th. It settled yesterday. <laughs> because did it you w- did, did you trim off us? <laughs> Is that what you did? I trimmed, some. I didn't sell all of it, but it was, it, you was up, it was up like 30% in like two weeks. So, so I was you, like,
2: you sold on the 18th? Or no, you sold on the 22nd?
1: Um, no, that's when it settled. I sold on the 17th.
3: Oh, my se- Lord. I
1: sold at $73.79. <laughs> um, I don't even
2: know what to say right now. Because-
1: I, <laughs> I, I, I should be proud of him, but I don't think I am. I didn't I didn't wanna come out here and tell everyone I sold because in case, you know, I don't know. But um, so that that's my first thing, right? Is, oh. that, is that I I added it to my IRA when it was at like forty or forty five or something and said this is yeah, gonna
2: buy you you bought it down here. Yeah. And you sold it up wait, let me zoom in. Hold Maybe on. I
1: bought it at oh yeah, I guess Hold we can on. see where I bought it Hold at on. too. Hold
2: on, let, let's let's He bought it down here and he sold it up here. Sold it at the high of the move.
1: I bought it. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I bought it at 51. So I sold it at 73. So that was a good. But now it's below my my entry. My other shares. So I trimmed my position. I'm not completely out of it. So it's you still in my uh Yeah. Okay. Okay. I almost sold more yesterday, but <sighs> I didn't. I wish I did because oh the chart goodness. started looking ugly. It looked like oh, it's for sure coming. Yes. Back down. Yes. Yes. So that was my first thing. I
2: okay. Part of me is proud of you for that. Part of me thinks I, I should yeah. Have been I, more I'm, the, I'm the I'm about par, part I, of me. No. 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 Part of me. Same thing as Patrick Starr, paper hands. Although you were up, you're upfront about that fact going in. So exactly, I, that was I, my whole point. I, I mean, have I was, no reason to be mad I at you. I was
1: upfront about the fact that this isn't a buy and hold forever. This is more of a trade. Yeah. Um, I was going to let some shares of Asana just like ride in my IRA, but now, I mean, good companies don't typically go down twenty percent a day.
2: In this market, they do. I, I everyone <laughs> anyone's liable to go down twenty percent. Um,
1: so so here, here was my second thing. Yep, we've seen this a couple times with diff With uh, and this has been in my 18 months in the markets. This has been the craziest earnings season I've ever seen. Okay, I'm just kidding. I've been in the markets. <laughs> I was gonna say it doesn't
2: exactly say a lot. We're talking about four. either way.
1: This is the most crazy earnings season I've been a part of. I don't know if Spencer would agree. Oh look, Monday Monday dot com is. God, the people that write these, uh, what are the headlines called on TV? I know there's like a specific the word. Chirons? I learned in journalism school. They love that job. The case of the Mondays, it's it's Wednesday though. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so we, we've seen this with other earnings reports this year where companies will move wildly um, off of another company's earnings report. And it's not always – A bad thing for a company like Asana who reports after Monday and they get this bar lower, right? We saw this with Snapchat. Snapchat after Facebook reported, same thing. Down twenty percent. Okay.
2: So let's bring this into a more relevant one though. Let's look at Lowe's and Home Depot. Yeah, same thing. So Lowe's reported this morning,
1: right? Yeah. And um whoops. Also, you should also Sorry. be proud of me. I was I was making an investment in either Lowe's or Home Depot a couple of weeks ago, and I picked Lowe's.
2: So Lowe's reported uh, this morning. Home Depot is the day ahead of them. So let's look at the Home Depot chart. Um, Lowe's numbers were were good. They were better than expected on the earnings and on the guidance. All right. Now Home Depot's numbers were, were good too, but they talked, uh, I guess, in the in the release and on the call about uh, margin, uh, compression as it relates to, um, supply costs and weaning demand for home improvement projects. But anyway, Lowe's numbers were good. Um, I don't know if Lowe said the same things, but it's moving in the exact opposite way today that Home Depot did yesterday. It's funny that they are correlated though, right? If you look at like yesterday, Home, uh, home Depot, which is in purple here. Oh wait, let me get my, um, symbol's up on the screen. Um, Home Depot is in purple. Home Depot dragged down um, Lowe's yesterday. Why don't I have my – hold on. Oh, there we go. Is that why? No. I don't have my symbols up on the right. Whatever. Who cares? Um, Home Depot dragged down Lowe's yesterday. And this morning, Home Depot opened higher on the back of Lowe's. And now they're both trading down from the open, so go figure. No, that's weird. I I want my um. I don't know what my uh symbol. Whatever. Who cares? Um. Whatever. Not gonna not gonna deal with that now. Um. Okay. So anyway, what was Home Depot? Right. The bar is lower. And in this case, Simon, they're both trading in the same direction regardless. But Lowe's report was good, and they opened higher. They had a great rally overnight. They've given some gains back now. It was a great overnight rally for Lowe's. So, yes, your point stands about bar lowering as it relates to Asana in Monday. When does Asana report? Do you know the answer to this? March 9th. It's right there. March 9th after the close, two weeks from today. Is the bar lower for us on a yes? The real question is matter? how many
1: shares is uh, Dustin Moskovitz adding today? Yeah, that's a good good question. And I wonder if he sold any when it went up to like 70. Um, because he – I realized this too about like – and I, I do still think like that's a very bullish sign and seeing that many insider buys. But is it possible to me that he was down on – like so much of his position in Asana that he wanted to lower his cost basis. And then maybe he's like selling some on the rip to make some money back. Sure. That's possible too. But if he yeah. were just going to try to make some money back trading, why would you do it with your own stock?
2: Trying to speculate on his motives, I think is a dangerous game. Yeah, it's very true. It's, uh, I, it's fun. Should...
1: I like speculating. It's fun. Yeah. You th- there should be a rule that if you're like a CEO and you buy stock, you have to hold it for a certain amount of time.
2: Uh like you mean like a C like a CEO? Yeah. Hmm. I think they had I thought they had the well maybe they don't have that role, but they have they have like blackout, they have blackout windows when you're not allowed to, to sell. You you're not if you're an executive in a company, uh you're not allowed to sell
1: your stock. Born to be free. Is there a Twitter account for the last group upstart invest trade? I don't know.
2: Yes. Uh Born to Be Free. Um there is a Twitter account. I believe um, ah gosh let me uh, one one second for you uh born me for you. I got you there is let me find it for you
1: what about upstart
2: stock it's uh born to be for you ready it's I'll put I'll put the link in the chat I um, oh, no that's not it damn it there's so many freaking companies called upstart that's the problem.
1: Is this it? Uh, all right. What's up with Coinbase? Uh, Thirty. So we, we, we touched on this at the beginning of the show or a few minutes ago, so you can rewind. I'll give you the TLDR right now. Essentially, their Super Bowl ad with the QR code bouncing around the screen. Um, the CEO, and I don't even know why he did this, took to Twitter and was like, Oh, people are asking how we got the idea for the Super Bowl ad. Here's how it happened. And basically said um, that the Coinbase team internally came up with the idea on a whim after uh, shooting down other Super Bowl ideas. And then the CEO and founder of an ad agency, or sorry, I don't know if she's the founder, the CEO of an ad agency came in and said, What do you mean you came up with that idea internally? We pitched you this idea and gave receipts, like quote or uh, page numbers of where in their pitch. idea for the commercial was so bottom line uh coinbase is in hot water for essentially not i mean i don't even know if stealing the idea but taking inspiration for the super bowl ad and then claiming they came up with it it's not like oh my god go sell coinbase stock go short it but it's just not a good look at all no for a company not great
2: calling the controversy maybe a little bit strong but you know what I don't think,
1: I I think it's alliteration. A I think it's a controversy. How
2: about a How about a controversy? Okay. Right. We can do that. Okay. Let's go with that. All right. Did we preview who we'll we have on today? Do we even play the intro yet? Or or did I miss that?
1: Uh you did miss the intro. You missed it, sorry.
2: Born to be free. I'm working on it, man. Give me give me a few minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um what was I going to say? Okay, guests for today. We have on the show, um, in a few minutes here, we're going to be joined by Stock, Stock Market Wolf. What time is that at? Uh,
1: 12. 12, okay. And then, uh, uh, potentially an, another special guest at 12.15. Potentially
2: goes at 12.15. And then at, at, at one, Jamie Schmidt would join us. She is the founder of Schmidt's Naturals. She is a, uh, uh, a mentor on the Going Public show. She's going to tell us all about um, how she launched a deodorant company from her kitchen while she was pregnant, um, which strikes me as difficult. But I'm no expert. And then Jessica Taylor will be on at twelve at one,
1: uh, 1 30.
2: Does Jesse have the links? Is he all good? Yeah. Okay.
1: Sweet. Um, I do. Uh, hold on. So for Fergo, no more spamming in the chat. I'm going to put you in the penalty box. That's a five minute timeout. But why is Coinbase advertised on the deep state wed website?
2: Whoa, what the hell is going on with the spam right now? Or WEF, a World Economic Forum. Farrago is not a person, right? That's, that, that, that's a bot? That's gotta be a bot. Well, I don't know. I mean, so here's the thing. All
1: right, Faragoo, you're going to time out for the spam. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, on the World Economic Forum website, I don't know. I mean, are, are they advertising on there? Everyone's got to make money, even the World Economic I, Forum. I don't know. I I have a, i, I have I'm, opinions. On the, I'm on the website right now. I don't see any ads. I I,
2: I have opinions about the World Economic Forum. I I like.
1: I, There's a I bunch don't, of like conspiracies
2: about them, right? I I, I don't want to say I almost went because I I didn't almost go, but there is a brief moment where it where I thought I was gonna
1: go go uh, like to the forum. Yeah,
2: like a couple years ago, like for Benzinga. Oh, but but I
1: that's I cool. obviously didn't. I yeah, um, yeah I've.
3: I've the
2: the, the I, I think the entire thing is freaking pointless. Is this like Soros? This isn't Soros, is it? No, it's the, the World Economic Forum, and they do this thing in Davos uh, every every year in in Switzerland, and all the rich people just fly there on their private jets, and they talk about big issues, and then they all go back to their lives. I the whole thing is freaking pointless to me. On sorry, if I offend, actually no, I'm not sorry for my opinions. Uh, but it, the whole thing is just a. Uh, it, it's like it's like Sun Valley is summer camp for billionaires. Davos is winter camp for billionaires. Got it. Boom.
1: There we go. Um Yeah, I've heard some uh I don't know. I got to do some more research on that before I have an opinion. Dude, you do your own research.
2: As always, do your own DD on Davos. Uh okay, let's let's talk about stocks. Not like specific, like let's talk about the overall Fuck market here. Let's bring up my pro, let's bring up my watch list of the market today. Let's get let's get the charts off the
1: screen here. Palladium, I do uh...
2: let's look at the market today. What jumps out? Well, we're down again. Um everything except for staples, energy, real estate, and uh uh, uh healthcare is in the in in the green in the red excuse me everything else is is red except for those four so uh just a down day across the board notably arkk look at that down two percent today 62 bucks now for arkk we are at the lowest point and i i I don't want to harp on this too much um because we talk we talk about kathy a lot but we're now at our lowest point oh
1: speaking of kathy should we talk about here? Yeah, I do want to talk about that. Wow,
2: Lowest point since June of 2020? Yeah, I, I honestly, so I, I own the ARKW. I I do think that we are going to get back to my cost basis, which is uh, in this. I bought it in the 60s. I bought ARKW in the 60s, and it's. I think we're heading back there frankly. Um, No, I do want to talk about Palantir. So, Kathy Wood slash ARK Invest has been unloading their Palantir position. Like, selling 10 million shares a day of Palantir. Just to put that in context for you, uh, yesterday, Palantir traded 104 million shares. And ARK Invest accounted for, like, 10 million of that. So ten percent of the daily volume in Palantir yesterday was ARC selling. Now, are they done? I don't actually know. I have not looked. Does anyone know if, if they're done? If um, like,
1: uh, arc is done selling? Yeah, if I ARK, thought they sold all their Palantir shares.
2: They sold more yesterday. I thought they unloaded every single They're like they're like blowing out of their Palantir right now. Um Dennis had a pretty, I'll call it pretty compelling argument for why you want to buy Palantir here. Um, So,
1: did Joel buy Palantir? No. All right, I'm out until Joel buys it.
2: (laughs) Honestly, from from a from a long trade here, there are. I love trades that where you have a clearly defined out, right. You have a clear out in Palantir. You want to buy Palantir now? Where, where, where do you stop yourself out? Easy. 10 bucks. $10. Yesterday's low was 10, uh, 10 30. Just give you, just go to the round number or even give yourself Go, go nine, go 990. Right? Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. You're risking 50 cents of downside here. Honestly, I might take this trade with end stop at 990 or whatever. What's the all time low? What's the all-time low on Palantir? It's like eight ninety, right?
1: But Palantir was a st- uh, SPAC, right?
2: No, direct listed. It's all-time low was eight ninety-two.
1: Oh, it just happened to open at ten dollars. Yeah,
2: eight ninety-two is your so maybe or eight ninety, excuse me. So maybe you want to stop yourself out at the all-time low, eight ninety. You want to give yourself some even more breathing room, R- risk risk a buck seventy.
1: I, so my thing with Palantir, and this is one that I, I might I might do this. I don't hate the trade, Spencer, but here's my thing with Palantir, and we, this, this is a stock that we've covered closely. It was a, a fan favorite as it ran all the way up to what was it, thirty five, forty bucks. Oh yeah. Um And then honestly, really held up well for a while after that. I never really liked the company. Like I, I've always said this, I don't really understand what they. You know, it seems very. I don't understand. What no they one do. knows what they do. No one knows what they do. They don't even know what they, they do. They don't even do, I think. know what they do. But Maybe they do. I don't it, it's just it's like what we were talking about with, with Tim Quass. At the end of the day, the stock market is what someone's willing to pay for any given name, and now that it's it's gotten this out of favor, like I don't know if there are as many people out there willing to pay to own shares of Palantir as there were when it was up at twenty dollars. I mean, if if it starts roaring back, if it goes from ten to twelve and it's up twenty percent, then it goes from twelve to fifteen and it's up another thirty percent. That might get people back interested in it but at the end of the day i don't think this has the same fanfare that it did six months ago a year ago 18 months ago
2: oh definitely doesn't that's for sure because there's a big difference between 30 and 10. yeah right um
1: i've always thought it was uh yeah said marshall saying don't fight the trend it's junk um i i I agree but on spencer's point have trades like this, you have a clear, defined you, out. You have
2: an out. There you, are there are worse things to do. Any trade with an out is a good trade to me. But right. here's
1: here's my thing with, with. I disagree with, I guess, like the idea of that. Like, oh, just setting your stop loss thirty cents lower, and and you you have a clear, defined out, and there's not a lot of risk. What happens if Palantir is down twenty percent pre market tomorrow, and it opens at eight dollars? I mean that. that yeah,
2: that's a risk.
1: Right. <laughs> but
2: what, like, what
1: would... I'm just saying I think there's more risk involved than just saying, oh, set a stop loss tight and it's basically a risk-free trade.
2: No, no it's not. I'm not saying it's risk-free. Right. I'm, I'm you, you, you will lose, right? Like, if you buy now and you, and you sell it and you stop yourself out at it, whatever, $9 and you sell, you lost. But that's okay. Losing is fine. We all make losing trades. If you don't make a losing trade, you're a liar. So, are you calling me a liar?
1: Yes. Um, <laughs> something just ripped. Let me see what it was. Was it overall market? I think it was overall market.
2: I'm 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 I'm, I'm hopping into my. Oh, my... Spencer's making a live trade. No, no, well, not not Maybe. not just
1: yet. I'm not. We um, are getting a nice little pump in the overall market right now. I'm seeing basically everything in my portfolio is up. Uh, not today, but over the last like five minutes.
2: Alright. I just had to it, it's been a really long time since I've um deposited money into my Ooh, ooh Zed's got another account. one
1: like like uh, Palantir. We should check out Fubo. Luke was telling me he loves Fubo here under ten dollars. Uh, I don't I don't know. Let's pull well I'll pull up Fubo. I'm just kidding, Luke didn't actually see that. He was just walking by
2: more, more like foo no. Am i right? <laughs> yo, is is this an all time low? Stop. Seven eighty four. It's gotta be. No,
1: it's not. No. Oh my gosh. What were what were the what were the highs on this? Sixty
2: three? The all time high was uh sixty two dollars.
1: Oh uh Andrew Andrew in the chat's asking a good question too. Did you sell BCRX? i R X? I'm glad you asked, Andrew. <laughs> um,
2: no, the answer is no, the answer is no, I didn't. Um, this is a great lesson in, um, and you know, look, I, I, I have this Weeble account. It is my YOLO account. I don't take it too seriously. Um, but this is a, this is a lesson in not for, in not ignoring even, and it's, it's such a small trade for me. So I kind of like, it was out of sight, out of mind. But if I had even taken the, the easiest risk uh, uh, parameter, if I had taken even the easiest thing I could do and set a stop loss, I would have been out by now, probably. Um, alas, I am not. I had no stops in this thing. I hadn't looked at it, honestly, since last week. That's the truth. I haven't looked at it since Friday. Um, I, I know it opened down today. They had earnings. No, talking, he's talking about Fubo, I believe. No, no, BCRX. Oh, 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 excuse BCRX. me, BCRX. I'll be honest, and this is this is not good of me. I didn't even know that they had earnings. Although, if I had known, I don't know how it would have changed my. I don't know if I would have sold. But that's sold.
1: okay for something that's just a very small position for you, like you said it is. I know,
2: but it's like so small that I just like forget about it, and that's how you end up like losing everything. You or you wake up one day and you're down forty percent because you didn't even notice your stock was down because it. It's not one I normally look at. So anyway, um, no, no, I don't. I, I still have a BCRX, and I will need to figure out what do I what do I do here. I probably so. Let's see, my cost basis in BCRX was uh, cost basis, and uh, so I'm down about nine percent now.
1: Will Alton is asking who uses it though. I've never seen it in the real world. I don't know. I believe he's referring to Fubo. Uh, I you
2: oh no I didn't that yeah. was a lot I used the uh, sling, Never sling mind. TV yeah, yeah
1: I saw a tweet the other day that was like on, on the Roku remote my cost basis is eighteen sixty six in BCRX you know the the Roku remote yeah um the, the buttons on the bottom I guess the new ones have like Amazon TV Netflix yeah they pay a lot Hulu, of money for it and Sling and someone's like how the hell did Sling get added on they this?
2: pay a lot of money that's uh, that's, that's how I
1: mean if Fubo did that maybe their stock would be a little bit higher but um it's not. It's not something that's like 100%, right, that uh, you can kind of trade what you know in real life. But that is something that I like, like. if I a stock like Fubo, if I don't know a single person, which Spencer and I are both like sports watchers, a lot of our friends are too, if I don't know a single person using Fubo, that's a red flag for me. And, and I felt that way about SoFi. I asked Spencer that. I was like, Spencer, do you know anyone that actually uses SoFi? It's fair. It, 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 it's not a... Uh, yeah, but, I, but uh, using it's not
2: a bad thought process to have.
1: Yeah, just using your, like, real-life experiences can sometimes be uh, a way to help you invest, not, like, 100%. Look, I
2: mean, you guys know I bought SoFi at, at, at 20 bucks. right? Obviously, I'm not thrilled <laughs> with the fact that SoFi is in single-day, di- or it's not now. It's back up above $10, but I... This is by far, and it's not even close. By far, the biggest bag that I am
1: holding. So far, so far. You're not alone in that.
2: It is by a mile. I because I sold whatever I was down Should in. Should I tell my mom to sell it? Whatever I was down in, like I sold a bunch of stuff for tax loss purposes uh, in uh, December. Um, not that I was. I didn't have. You know, I, I had a couple things. I was down. You know, a, a little bit in, uh, but nothing too crazy. Uh, But even before that, SoFi was my biggest bag. It still it remains my biggest bag. That being said, let me just tell you all, like, and this is a great lesson as always in diversification, because my SoFi position, um,
1: oh damn it, Uh, Babe King in the chat saying he he loves SoFi. Yeah, I mean, you can Google Palantir, but who knows? Who knows what they do? And we are going to bring
2: on our guests in in a second here. But let me just tell you briefly, just so you can understand, like, why my head is at where it's at. I can't log into my account right now. All right, let's go ahead and bring our guests on.
1: (laughs) We'll get back back to SoFi um, later. Yeah, I, I can't even log into my... Oh, my gosh.
2: Come on, Spencer. All right, who's our guest? Let's bring him on.
1: Our guest is Stock Market Wolf. You may know him on Instagram. He's got about seventy five thousand. Locked out of my freaking account. Oh my god!
2: (laughs) Can't even log into my account
1: correctly. Maybe Wolf can help you. Uh, But Wolf's got a really cool story. I'm not going to let him, or I'm not going to tell it for him. But um, (sighs) you know, he's a guy that went from working a a job at a mall to to trading, um, not full time. He's got a different job now too. But let's go ahead and, without further ado, give Wolf our special intro. And bring him Mr. Wolf, how you doing? What's
4: going on, guys? How are you?
1: It's been a minute. W-
2: Wolf, have you ever gotten locked out of your brokerage account? It just happened to me.
1: Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, before we get going, what's, what's XSplit?
4: Uh, that's just the, um, like webcam, I guess
1: I use. Oh, uh, okay. It's just like, today, I don't know how today's to take show, out. Today, today, today today's, show... today's
2: brought to you by XSplit, apparently. Yeah.
1: Brought to you by XSplit. <laughs> um, but Wolf, or how's Andrew's fine. Andrew's fine? Okay, yeah. Andrew, I didn't know if you, you know, wanted me to yeah. dox you or not. Um, Andrew, <laughs> I, I don't know if, I probably didn't do you a great service, but for those of folks that don't, uh, don't know you, do you want to yeah. go ahead and, and give a brief introduction?
4: Sure. I'll try to make it as brief as possible. Uh, so yeah, my name is Andrew Diaz. Uh, I'm the founder, I guess, of stock market wolf. You could see him on, see me on Instagram, but, um, whole journey started 2009. I was a single dad at the age of 19. I was working at the mall for 7.25 an hour. And, uh, my, the day my life changed was the day I couldn't afford diapers. And, uh, I had just got let go from work because I was focused on school and whatnot. So um, that was pretty hard. So that following weekend, I went into Barnes and Noble. I've always been a book nerd, so I went into Barnes and Noble and I picked up this book, I saw it and it, it drew my attention. It was called Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, which oh, yeah. majority of people have read. Right. And um, here I am, this poor dad, right. Single dad, 19. And I see this book literally says Rich Dad Poor Dad. So I started picking it up and i didn't have money to buy the book so i spent the whole day reading it only I mean, took me a couple of hours but in the book i learned three main important concepts the importance of business the importance of real estate and the importance of investing well i didn't have money for real estate i didn't really know too much what to do with business but investing seemed kind of cool because i've always been into video games and computers and so forth so i was like oh maybe this could be like a nice transition so started what i did Following weekends, leading up, even while going to school, was I would go and spend time at Barnes & Noble, getting anything I could get my hands on, book related to trading, to investing, to personal finance, to anything that I could learn about money. Um, And long story short, put myself through school, um, started uh, 2014, I got my bachelor's. And then right during that time, I started working at Amgen and from going from 725 to then working at Amgen, I was making, you know, a nice, you know, $70,000 salary or what, what have you. And so, um, all the same time while learning stocks, right. And, um, once I had that money, uh, I put more than three quarters of that into stuff that I knew, which is biotech and science stuff and tech stocks, long story short, 2016, I make my first mill Also, by this time, I end up getting my first master's degree, which is a master of science in biotechnology with an emphasis in biomedical tissue engineering. And then following year 2017, I get promoted up the ladder in Amgen, but then I get my second master's, which is my MBA. So I have two master's degrees, a bachelor's degree on the science field. My MBA is with an emphasis in finance, obviously, in management. But then from there, um, really started having the income to do some things, but then it took me from 2009 to 2016 to make my first meal. And I read this book by Grant Cardone, which is the 10X room. I'm like, okay, well, it took me this long to make it. How can I start making this quote unquote quicker? And that's where like the day trading piece came in and utilizing that money and the profits that I made from that to just keep throwing into my long-term investments. Uh, long story short, today, I run the the stock market wolf business we've had at one point, you know, north of 6,000 people in our group during 2020 today, we have about 5,000 or so. Um, and that business has taken off. It all started, uh, back in 2016, helping a single mom. And my wife convinced me like, you need to make this a business. You need to help other people. And here we are. Um, so that's a little bit about me real quick. Uh, so
1: yeah. and, And I did just drop that link to your Instagram uh in the chat andrew and so, so something that i'm curious about and mm-hmm. i personally actually haven't read rich dad poor dad but i imagine when he's talking about investing he's talking about more long-term um investing how did you kind of transition or how did you go from reading that book to, to go to saying, okay i want to trade stocks which is a little bit different than you know long-term investing
4: so in the actually it's one of my favorite books right so it's right here already uh, but in the book which is right there Uh, he talks about, he actually does talk briefly about how he treated small caps. Okay. So, um, of of course he's more into the long-term game. And so I just went into Barnes Noble the following weekend and I just got, it was called, um, how to make money in the stock market. And I got that. And then there's different approaches, right? You could do investing, you could swing trade, you could do option trading, you could trade the small caps, which is what I do majority. And, um, I didn't really get into day trading per se right from the get majority of the stuff that happened from 2009 till I made my first meal in 2016 was all long term investing. I just kept throwing stuff into all of these things that I knew from a science perspective of things that I think had potential. And so um, then from once I made that first meal, then it became Grant Cardone's book of 10x row. And I was like, okay, let Mm -hmm. me see how I can do this not quicker, but more efficiently where I'm not waiting this long period of time to make a meal. Did you, um, so did you ever use,
1: but, like you had mentioned you were a, a gamer your whole, you know, did you come in then and, and kind of trading what you know, like were you buying Nvidia because you were a gamer or, or did did you kind of just, uh, or, or science, you know, biotechs, what were you trading? Yeah. Mostly?
4: Yeah. Uh, I did. I did pick up like NVDA, I had picked up like of course, your, your fang at the time, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, uh, Tesla when it came out, Amgen, which is where I work, uh, AMD, I mean, there's a bunch of stocks that ended up just like blowing up by the time that 2016 had came around um, from that time that I started initially buying them as soon as I could in 2009, 2010. Um, one of the questions that I will get is like, well, if you if you had got fired, how did you end up making money to start you know, investing in 2009, what I did, and Gary V talks about this now, which is garage sale flipping or garage arbitrage, where I would literally go and find stuff for free, and then flip it. And then since I did work at Foot Locker Champs, I would get discounts. And so I would start to flip those resale those on eBay, and little by little just started doing whatever I can hustle wise, to make, you know, 500 to 1000 bucks that I could throw into the market.
1: Got it. Um, so let's flash forward it now. What do, what have you been trading recently? Uh, well, recently last week. And if week, you want to, if you if you want to share a screen, you can. If you got like charts or anything, we yeah, only got sure. about five five minutes though. So let's go through some names you've been trading recently.
4: Yeah, let me um go to share. Uh, how do I share?
1: Uh, there go should be a bot a, a button on the bottom. Uh, of the website that we stream on that just says share. Okay, there it is. Okay, so can you guys see the screen? Yep, let me go ahead and get it pulled up. Whoa, that's a lot going on there.
4: Yeah, there's a lot, uh, but um, the one that we traded last week was um, ISPO, and Ooh, ISPO went from uh, about $10 all the way to 108, so it was a huge move. It was, I mean, a thousand percent return, right? Um, today, uh, so. ISPO was the big one last week, and it really—you don't really have to use a lot of money to make a lot of money. I mean, you put, you buy a thousand shares at ten. And I mean, not to say you would always sell at this one hundred eight, but there's strategy that I use to be able to take profit along the way um, and make so sure. What, I, what, what would ahead.
1: you see in Inspirato in the chart at like ten dollars for you to think, okay, this this could really run?
4: Uh, so what I the to give you my strategy to give everyone my strategy to try to give you as much value as possible. What I do is trade pre-market. And so pre-market I'm looking for stocks that gapped up a minimum of five to 10%. There's an easy way to scan for that within thinkorswim. And then from there, once you've made your scanner within thinkorswim, I have the charts right here. And then, so I'll filter by market percent change. And then from there, I then use an Excel sheet and, and really dive into, um, different stocks, right? And so I keep a running total of all the stocks that I, I trade. But from there, then I start to put out the entry supports, my stop, my PT targets, etc. But for Inspirado, for example, this stock on this particular day had already gapped up pretty big, it went from $10 to 30 pre-market. So then when the market had opened, what I was looking at is for a retest kind of of this level And what I like to do when I trade is I like the candles to be above the 920 in midline VWAP, as well as get a crossover on the MACD. Um, So once it started to kind of retest this level here at around the $30 point or like, what's this like 28, then I'm like, okay, as long as it's holding this 90 MA support, I'll take a trade. But then what I like to do is calculate what my drawdown and potential loss can end up being on any trade. And I prepare for that. So I usually per trade, will put in somewhere between 10 to 20,000 bucks. And, but I'm only risking between one to $2,000. And so as long as the stock stays above the nine EMA, I'm willing to let it ride. And as it rides up, I, at the first five to 10% profit, I'll take a little bit. And then I just let the remaining shares ride. I move my negative stop up to be my entry this way, no matter what I walked away with money, um, to give you like a real day example of, you know, another stock, uh, Today we were looking at INDO and today I was targeting seven and a half. Okay. So from seven and a half, I determined my stock would be 6.5. So let's just look at INDO. And this one was a stock that we traded yesterday that made 67%. And today it made just a small measly like 10%. But yesterday we traded it. And what we were looking at was an entry of 5.4. So if I go back to that Excel sheet. We were right here, INDO was right here. We were targeting 5.4 for entry and a 4.8% stop, which would be 13% drawdown. Right? So what I was looking for yesterday was because we had all this pre-market resistance at 5.4. That's what I was waiting for that breakout. And then during the open, we have this break above nine EMA, 20 EMA, VWAP. And then it's at around 525, 540, which is my target. So what, in order for me to know how much to put in, I don't always pick the same number. So what I will do is base my trade of how risky I want to be based off of my account size. So let's just say I had a $250,000 account, right? And with INDO, I have a 13% stop. So then if I was willing to risk 3% of my account, I would then just take this divided by the amount of what my risk will be at 3% and uh, I would get a dollar value, which would be 60,000. So I could spend 60,000 on this trade. And if I lose 13%, I'm only gonna lose the 7,500. So then with that 60,000, all I need to do is calculate how many shares I can buy. And then that's a very simple calculation of just taking that number, dividing it by my entry. And then that gives me the quantity of, of shares that I can buy. So then I could buy eleven thousand shares, and then I want to round this up to like a whole number, right? So eleven thousand shares, give or give or take, right? So then when I come back to um, when I come back to the trade, where'd it go?
1: Yeah, it's a lot going on on the screens, man.
4: Yeah, sorry, man. Uh, uh,
2: yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> when I come back to the. The trade, and I'm about to take it. I just have my shares listed in here, like 10,000 or whatever, how much I can spend, right? Which in this case was 60,000. And then once it hits that, then I'll take my trade and then I calculate where that stop is going to be. So I always know where my entry is, where my stop is at. And then from entry, if it moves up five to 10%, I take a little bit of profit and then I let the rest ride. So from that 540 that we called out yesterday went all the way up to 8.9, which is 67%. So I didn't take out, I didn't get the whole profit, but you could get the idea. So that's INDO. And then today we also traded INDO and this one, I had a target for going back. I had a target today for seven and a half. So if we look at that chart today, going back to the main screen, INDO here's seven and a half right at entry, at market open, we get wow. that break of seven and a half and it goes all the way up here to eight and a half, just a shy of eight and a half, which is about 13% or so. But let's say I use $20,000, 10% of that, that's $2,000 trade, right? Yeah.
1: So um, all right, well, we got to run, but I went oh, ahead. Sorry, man. <laughs> oh, you're you're good. Posted your Instagram in the chat. If folks want to find more of you, you can go check them out on Instagram, stock market wolf. Andrew, always a pleasure to talk to you. Always uh, a have version, a, man. Yeah, have a great rest of your day, man. You too. Bye. All right, we got a surprise guest coming up. We do. Aaron, what did you do? <laughs> I uh, I reached out to my man on Twitter, and, and I didn't tell you about it. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> he did not tell me <laughs> about it. I told you we might have a guest joining us at 12.15. You said, okay. Sounds yeah, good. Uh, yeah, I had
2: no idea who he was talking about. Uh, before we re- bring him on, you, you want to get some guesses in the chat and see who, yeah, let's see who we got? Uh, this is a stock market guy. He, that you've uh, seen on tv many have times on tv you've seen him on tv, you, you have seen him on TV many. he's been on been thinking before but it's, been, it's, been it's, been it's been a minute it's been a minute uh do, we, we definitely gave him a special intro right uh yeah
1: all let's right. give him the new special intro
2: the new special intro yeah
1: where is that it's uh all the way it's i got all, it oh it's, on the it's at the bottom. bottom i found it all right <laughs> new special intro <laughs> Mr. Nigerian, how you doing today?
5: What's happening, guys? It's great to see you. You guys are so good. I just want to tell you that from the get-go, because if we have an argument later, just know that I already give you a compliment. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. You guys front are front fun. You're, you're really, really good, and it's fun to watch. I was watching you before I came on, and all of a sudden, Sully got was talking about me on TV, so I had to you know go back and forth. I mean, it's been kind of fun, but uh, but it's great to be with you guys, back with you guys. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. It's great to have you back. We do the same thing. I and mean, while we're live here, we've got uh, CNBC going on behind us. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll probably see your brother here on TV. And, I, j- a I just of, saw him. Just I, w- saw I looked him. up and I saw him. <laughs> I was like, wait know, a minute.
2: I got, I got one. I got one over there. One over there.
1: And we got Pete. He's with the cool guys. John's with, uh, yeah. So Pete from, from market rebellion, you want to give us a quick rundown what, what market rebellion is?
5: Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting company that John and I created. It was a follow up to Option Monster that we eventually built a brokerage with Trade Monster, sold that to eTrade. Now that's part of Morgan Stanley. And once we were, we got past all the different uh, levels where we could do it again, we've done it again, and we started it with Marker Rebellion. And it's essentially a very similar product where it's it's um, educational on one side, so that we want people to understand the options world, so they just don't jump in and have a bad experience. At least they understand what the risks, what the rewards are. So we have a, a very big branch of our company is educational. The next side is all the unusual options that we've got. And we've got all different levels of what we offer for people if they want the stuff that, that literally, I, I'm not kidding you guys, we're, hit, we're sitting at about 40 to 50 unusual option activities every single day um, or more. It's been incredible. And as you guys know, you follow the, the, the option markets as well. I mean, the volumes are off the charts. Uh, You know, it's not unusual to be somewhere close to this year. We've been averaging close to about 42, 44 million contracts a day, you know, years ago. But when I started on CNBC, we were in maybe the 12, uh, probably the 12 million area. (laughs) And and that was back in 2007. And then by the time we got to 2019, we went over 20 million a day. And now here we are, you know, not too long after that. And here we are trading 40, 44 million contracts a day. So it's... it's really important for us to, to make she, sure that people are educated. And when they are, then they can see the unusual that we're seeing and understand the risks and, and rewards that they can have.
2: I just want to note in the chat's all over this as well, is Pete apparently brought the green with him because we just turned green on the SPY. We're green on the Russell as well. So <laughs> two of the four major indexes, green on the day. SPY literally like just went green like a minute ago. So uh, thanks for that, Pete.
1: And sure. I, I just got to give a quick shout out to uh, – to, Shout out to Market Rebellion, whoever runs the Twitter over there, Pete. You got to give them my regard because the Twitter's fantastic. I follow I follow probably hundreds of yeah. Twitter accounts that tweet about the markets, covering what's going on, and Market Rebellion is one of, if not my favorite. So, oh. uh, great great job there. I, I like the uh, there's like a daily tweet where they say the most traded contracts of the day, right? Yeah. AMD twenty five or February twenty five one twenty call, and that to me like that's such a great uh, way to just get quick info. Wait, I have a question.
2: Yeah. It, it, is is that kind of a, a, an indicator, Pete? Is that a bullish or a bearish signal? To me, it would, it would I don't know.
1: That's why I'm asking you,
5: actually. What well, I like seeing the option. Contracts?
2: No, no, not you specifically. I mean, like, the fact that, like, like you know, massive volume in, in, in these contracts.
5: You know, and that's the one important thing, guys, that, that you guys know, but I, I don't know if everybody else out there does know, so I will say this. It's it's interesting and it's fun to to point out the, the huge volumes. What's really important, however, and, and I see a lot of guys who do come on TV who talk about options who are, I'm telling you they're wrong about what happened on the trade. <laughs> and it's not, I'm not being offensive. I'm just telling you, volume tells you something. It tells you that people are interested, right? And it, every single day, it's Apple, it's Tesla, it's AMD, it's Nvidia, it's all those kinds of names are in that top group. But I, I think what's more important than that, and this is why you know our services uh, you know cater to this, is buying or selling. Are they buying or are they selling? Because they could be selling. There's there's no reason that if somebody has a huge, I can tell you this, every single stock that I own, as long as it makes sense, I sell options against every single stock that I own. And it's my way of creating a dividend stream that might exist already. Maybe they're giving me 2 or 3%. Well, at the end of the year, I can, you know, with without going crazy, it's very easy to add another 10 20% to that if the stock does nothing. And so that's kind of the the goal of when I do own stocks, I'm selling options against it. But then again, that's volume, right? And if I'm selling there, people say, "Oh gosh, there's a lot of volume in here." But yeah, but what are they doing? Are they buying or selling? So the most important thing is to know if they're buying or selling. That's just a, a, a giving people a little bit of a flavor for where is the activity? Is it in GameStop? Is it in you know all those meme stocks, or is it in in the big names like it is and has been lately?
1: So, so I know you saw us talking about ARK earlier. Yeah. Um, did you say you, you saw some unusual activity in ARK puts today?
5: I did. I did. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you exactly what I saw here. I'm going to do a quick click over here. Um, so this just hit while you guys were talking, and ARK uh, was the innovation fund, ARKK. It was trading around 62 bucks at the time, and they bought the April 55 puts and we know that because our systems allow us to know they bought those those puts but they also sold the 50 puts so basically guys you you know this it's a it's a spread and it's a put spread so the most you could make is $5 on the spread but the good news is when you're doing a spread like this and you're paying $3.30 for one and selling the other for close to something north of $2 that gives you the opportunity then to have a spread on where you've reduced your risk down to a little over a dollar rather than putting $3 out there. And you've also reduced how much you can possibly make on the trade. So you're paying a dollar to make five. That's what you're looking at on a trade like that. I immediately, just so you guys know, the second I see a trade like that, if I like it, if it makes sense, if I think that Kathy Wood still has a little bit of pressure on her, um, I will jump on a trade like that. And I, I did jump on that one just between all of us.
1: So you so you saw the unusual bearish activity in Arc. It yeah. made sense. You decided to, to get into it as well.
5: Yes. Yep.
1: So so last time uh, we were on a few months ago. I know one of the stocks we've talked about. And I've been following you. I've been following the stocks we'll talk about, so we can talk about some of those. AMD, uh, mm-hmm. Tesla. What you know, whatever it is. But one of the stocks we talked about last time was Celsius. Yeah. Uh, yes. well, how, how do you feel about Celsius now? C- C-E-L-H.
5: Not as good as it when we talked. <laughs> you know when yeah, we talk it's a great stock i i i um i think that they have a lot of promise but like all of these stocks and this is something you know that you you guys hear me when if, if you've got the volume on you hear me on tv i talk about it all the time these very high multiple stocks are are something that have to be uh, considered and this is one of them and you know they're in that growth stage where i don't this is not a pandemic stock by the way this is an energy drink it's It also has a healthy side to it it's a it's a calorie burning thing and all those things that go into it um so uh that that's what intrigued me my daughter convinced me into the stock i think we both got in in the low 40s um it ran up i think close to 100 i did not sell i have sold calls against this stocks you know the entire way along the way rolled with that but um and that's helped along with with some of the punishment that it's taken but let's be honest anything with a very high or a no multiple <laughs> stock that's what people have been going after and yes <laughs> they are it, it it's like the ski jump in china right i mean yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 and it's and the land is just as rough but um but i still think that the company does a great job i i like it for the reasons that i liked it when i bought it i thought it was ridiculous that it did run as fast as it did from 40 somewhere close to 100. so with all of that um you know, I was just holding on to it because I believe in the company longer term. I think this is the next Bang or Monster or whatever energy drink that that people want to focus on. Okay. I I think this is in that category, but I also like the healthy side of it as well.
2: That that bodes an interesting question. We're all dealing with this in 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 our own in our own way. You you've got a stock that you bought a while ago for a long-term position and you're getting and 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 you're getting hammered in it. How do you deal with that emotionally? Do you just not look at it ever? And that's that's no, I
5: I think it's foolish not to look at these things. I think you look at them, but I think at the same time you have to make a a judgment and a decision on all of these things. Right. And so like I was saying in the case of Celsius, what I liked about it was the longer term side of it. And I'm now sounding like Kathy Wood a little bit where (laughs) I'm looking for this in in a longer term. And the reason I'm looking at that way is I knew when I bought it, they they don't really have you know strong enough earnings yet. They still have to gain market share. They have to do all of these things before they can look more like a monster or some of those other types of things, right? So um, I went into it with that attitude. And you know the good news is you know lucky, but you know we're in it approximately forty two, let's say. And even though it's pulled back and it got all the way back down there again, it's it's gotten a little bit of a lift of late, but. You know, it, it, these are the stocks that people do target. And I think what you have to understand is if you have a stock that was pandemic driven, now you've got a bit of a problem uh, because you've got that high multiple that made no sense. I'll give you a great example. And I got crucified on Twitter like so many other people on different things, but I got crucified on Twitter for 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 bashing Peloton the entire way up. And my, uh-huh. rash, my rationale was that It's not that I hate the company, but I've seen this play out in my life. You know, I'm a lot older than you guys. I'm 58 years old. I watched multiple different times in my childhood and young adult life. I watched my parents buy whatever that latest thing was. You know, it was, was it a treadmill? Was it a whatever? It sits in the kitchen and it becomes the most expensive clothes dryer ever because everybody puts their clothes on it. And that's what Peloton is, and and I said that on TV many times. People just were after me. No, you're wrong. What people didn't understand is, yeah, it's a pandemic stock, and and it's it got way in front of itself. It's a very expensive thing, and 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 it will play out, and it has played out. But you know, people are social. They want to go to it. If you're if you're interested in exercise, let's be honest. You want to go to the gym. You want to go to the park. You want to go somewhere outside and you don't want to be sitting in your apartment or your house pedaling every single day because that eventually gets pretty daggone boring and monotonous. You want to get out. So right that was that, that was that was sort of my rationale and that was way overdone.
1: That's been always been my point with Peloton is why I pay the same amount for a full gym membership where you have access to the stationary bikes yeah. and all these other things or just the bike. And going back to Celsius real quick, I, I think I, I said this when you were on last time we were talking about it, the biggest differentiator to me and the moat that Celsius has is the fact that it's a healthier version of an energy yeah. drink, but I would always always worry that monster, red bull or whoever would come out with their version of the the healthy energy drink. Now all of a sudden Celsius has even more of an uphill battle to climb to try to grab yeah. some of that market share. Um but let's move on to some names right now. I know uh are you you've been liking AMD, is that correct?
5: Yeah, we had some option activity so in there just yesterday. Um in the early morning. Stock was about 116, so right now it's not looking great for what they were they were buying yesterday, but they came and they bought in size. And you know, the one thing that's unique and you guys know this, but, you know, we were talking about it earlier about buying or is it just is just just volume. So um, our algorithms show us, you know, the buying and the sizes and all that kind of stuff. So um, we know they were buying and and we all know the company pretty well. We all understand supply chain constraints and everything that's been going on. But it's just one of these names that when they start buying in huge, massive numbers, I think they bought 28,000 of the upside calls in there yesterday morning. Um when they start buying like that, I'm willing to be in that trade uh, because I think that there's a really good chance. I like the company. I know what they, you know, we all know what they do and how many, you know, that they, they they drive into so many different categories, um, like an NVIDIA, quite frankly. So, you know, when I see that option paper come in and it's come back as far as this stock has come back. I mean, you guys are great about putting these charts up, but it, it, it's fallen back from 160. Now you're in the one, t- you know, the hundred teens. Uh, that seems to me to be a good spot that wh- I'd like to start looking at it again and getting back in, which I did yesterday.
2: Pete, i, I got to ask you about energy oh, slash oil here. And I don't know how you prefer to trade, whether it's like the the USO or the XLE or any of the, mm-hmm. the oil stocks. But uh, that trade is beginning to look – well, not beginning. It, it looks pretty darn crowded to me.
5: Yeah. <laughs> well, at, at, I don't disagree with you, by the way. Um, it's funny when when we started seeing unusual options in there, it literally, I'm going back guys, but it was November of 2020. It was right when the presidential elections happened. We, oil was approximately 38. We literally started maybe a week or so before that, we started seeing monster call buying in just about every energy name that I can think of. I, and it was crazy. And by the way, that has not really slowed down a whole heck of a lot. I mean, today we have some options in Devon. We also have some in ConocoPhillips. We have some, you know, it's not like we've suddenly cooled off and people are no longer buying upside options in a lot of these names. Now, that doesn't mean that we're breaking through 100, but I've been calling for 100 since it was 60. Uh, I just am convinced of it. I'm convinced about the rest of the world and the lack of CapEx that has gone into it and all the different fundamental reasons. But also, you've got the political side of it now, too, right, the geopolitical and everything that's going on with Ukraine and Russia and trying to get the, you know, energy flows. And, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons why I think that this trade's not over. And I still would prefer to be in options specifically in those uh, beta names as I've been calling them forever, you know, and that's, that's Devon. I even throw in a ConocoPhillips, which is a much bigger name, but Apache, APA, which used to be Apache. I keep calling it that. Occidental, uh, Diamondback, all those kinds of names um are in that xop but i will i always just so you guys know how i trade i don't like to trade etfs that's not my thing i want the bang for my buck out of the you know that i can get exactly what i'm looking for because i get a little bit more when i'm doing that oftentimes than when i'm doing the etfs i got nothing against etfs i think they're smart especially for people that aren't you guys or me that aren't in front of the computer all day long trading You know, it's probably a really smart idea to be involved in something in a a different way than that. But as an aggressive trader who's in front of his screens all day long, and I got you know CNBC in the background here, I got you guys. um, I'm just watching the flows as everything's going by on the tickers, and that's what we all do, right? We do it from you know nine thirty in the morning until four o'clock.
1: Yeah, Um, Pete. I know. I know. I told you fifteen minutes. I don't know if you got a few extra minutes to hang around. Sure. Sure. I, this just came up while you, while you were talking about Apache. What's been the hardest, uh, like company name change for you and your experience? Like I find myself like I'll still call Mo Philip Morris even though I know it's Altria.
5: <laughs> it's a really fun question. What a Dang. random question. <laughs> Yeah, no but it's great uh you know philip morris is a great example i mean you know that that one's been it was around forever and then suddenly you've got this name change right and and they still almost, leave the
1: ticker mo like why not change it to I'm not, alt I'm I'm,
5: I'm 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 never
2: called facebook meta on the first time the first try I, uh,
5: I have yet to call it meta even on tv i always you just did because <laughs> well it doesn't make any sense at all to me you know and i understand mm. that you know zuck I, I like zuck but i do think that he has taken his eye off the ball in a big way It doesn't mean i don't believe in metaverse but it does point me to why he's had such a huge slide now with the stock and i say that as a guy i own the stock since the ipo now don't i look foolish for not selling it up there at the highs right i mean yeah. I, that, that looks pretty awful but um, but I'll tell you, I, they had, all they do is they've been cash flowing like crazy. They continue to grow. He takes his eye off the ball. He's focused on meta, which I'm okay with focusing on the next great thing. It's like Apple. There's always something else. But um, in this case, a lot of money, a lot of time, and he's not going to see results for years out of this thing. So that's what bothered me most. And I think that if, they, if they get their focus back, I think the stock can have a rally. If they don't, I think it actually goes lower. And I say that as a guy who owns it.
2: All right, Pete, before we let you go here, we're getting some questions from the chat. What is on your shirt?
5: Oh, <laughs> people always ask stuff like that. You know, I, I'll be honest with you guys. So I'm lucky enough to be on the water right now. You guys, I know, I, is there snow in the background back there? <laughs> no, not anymore. Not it
1: was snowing it. earlier today, though. <laughs> as of
5: yesterday. <laughs> But I'm in Florida. Um, I moved down. You know, I played for the Buccaneers long ago. I've always told my wife I want to have a house down in Florida. So we're building a house in Florida. And so we're renting as we're building the other one. And we're we're doing that because we want to be on these guys. You guys wouldn't believe it. This is not New York. <laughs> these these people actually only work four days a week down here. I mean, I'm, I, I walk in on a Friday and nobody's in there doing anything. And I'm like, no wonder our house is taking forever to build. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so it's 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 amazing this whole process but it's fun it's a beautiful day and i've always got different shirts on this one's just some crazy i don't know (laughs) i just like the palm tree and stuff that was on it so that well (laughs) well
1: the chat loves it they said you've got the best tea on tv i don't know if they were talking about the goatee or the t-shirt uh maybe maybe it it goes both ways can i tell you you
5: how, how much flack i get for this thing i mean it's it's there are people who just hate the heck out of me and and judge me for my looks, and I always respond back with, "I wonder if it was some other part of looks you, what everybody would think of of your you know you're spotting me on this whole thing you know whether it's color of my skin or this or that, but because I've got this goat, I'm the worst guy in the world to some people. I gotta tell you. <laughs> were, you were you were you
1: at that Bucks uh, Super Bowl last year?
5: I was not at no, I wasn't. Um, you know, it's great. The Bucks are so great. They treat me great. They they offered me tickets. They offered me tickets when I was in L.A. because I was doing some pre Super Bowl stuff this year. Um, they're a wonderful organization, I will tell you, because uh, there are organizations out there that are that are not good with their former players. These guys will let me do anything at any time. It's awesome, you know. Sit around with Tom Brady and hang out and just talk about football and life and and financials because he's got a lot of numbers that you can go through (laughs) he and his wife (laughs) but it's they really are a great organization that opens up doors for us all the time and it's it's wonderful it's why i love them so much
1: yeah i mean uh yeah tom brady's had an incredible career he's got that ftx money now (laughs)
2: Oh. <laughs> he's, a whole day. He, he, he's, he's in a different stratosphere right now. He is. Uh, he is. <laughs> Pete Nigerian, you know him. You see him. Uh, CNBC uh, Market Rebellion. Uh, Pete, it is a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thanks a lot. Thank
5: you, guys. Appreciate you, man. Take care. Alrighty. Okay.
2: All right. Um, next always, time, always have a blast with Pete. We, we, we got to get some stock picks from Brady next time.
1: Oh, my God. He's probably uh, all in the crypto stocks. I don't know.
3: I
2: wonder.
1: I, I maybe he's I, as good at picking dude I love it
2: I love it when celebrities talk like stock picks I love it oh I, that reminds like, me like just from a content perspective guys uh, also smash the like for Pete and Aaron Bree set that up didn't even tell me he was doing it I looked down and I see Pete in the studio I was like what the hell was he doing here yeah he yeah. came. He
1: came to hang out with us. It's Spencer. a
2: total surprise. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun.
1: We need to. Anyone. So an editor out there. Mm-hmm. We need to clip out like just the three second part where he said like, "You guys are awesome" or something, and just play. Uh, that can
2: we get time. someone on that? And just, or just or, or the
1: part. Or the part where he said, "I'm watching. You know, I'm always watching the flows. I'm watching CNBC. I'm watching you guys, which,
2: you know." G- give him credit; he knows how to butter up his host. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> he knows he knows how to butter up
2: the show he's on.
1: Uh, but that reminds me. So I was watching a video yeah. the other day mm-hmm. um, on YouTube. The uh, golfer Jason Day. Mm-hmm. For some reason, so it was like a video where they like tour his house. For some reason, he lives in Columbus, Ohio. I don't know if I was like a multi, multi, multi. Like he's probably got like fifty million dollars. I wouldn't be living in Columbus, Ohio. You, you know what
2: Columbus is known for? Uh,
1: Ohio it's, State it's, University. It's, it's test- the Ohio, the
2: Ohio State. No, University. it's it's test market USA. For what? For anything. Like a- uh, <laughs> for any new product, it's test it's it's test market USA because it, it they're the the population of Columbus so mimics the population of the United States that any sort of new food product or anything gets tested in Columbus.
1: Okay, so if I've ever got like a beta of an app to run yep. or whatever, just bring it to Columbus. Columbus. That's why I, I learned so much sitting I next went to this to guy. Uh,
4: I went to the Wendy's headquarters once in Columbus. Oh,
1: you know, all right, okay.
4: Yeah, as part of like a marketing program, and uh, they kind of explained that, and they like put us through like one of their test groups or whatever. Ah. So you're
1: telling on. me Wendy's? I, I don't lie. So you're telling me that they brought the spicy nuggets to Columbus before the rest of the country. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and
4: the new Frosty or whatever before it came out.
1: Okay, cool. So if you ever want some uh, new things that aren't released yet, go to Columbus. Either way, they were touring uh, Jason Day's house, and he's got. Like a really like a a huge like gym workout room with a putting green or whatever and a mm-hmm. huge flat screen TV and he's like yeah that's where I turn on CNBC every morning and like look at my investments and the guy made a joke about it and Jason was like yeah they're not doing too well or something so <laughs> he probably I mean anyone with that much money like probably has a lot of it with a with a guy with a financial guy my guy my guy <laughs> and then uh, the rest of it they might just play with yeah.
2: Yeah, that's right, Christian. Columbus gets all the good stuff. Even their college football is better down there. Oh, don't tell Joel I said that.
1: Um, but yeah, that 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 was another funny joke I saw. They were like, "How come, uh, like adult, or maybe they said like middle-aged males always have like guys for everything?" You'll be like, "Hey, Dad, I need to go get a new tie," and they'll be like, "Oh, you got to go to my tie guy." I I don't know. And it it's a dad thing to just have a guy for everything. Yeah.
2: I, I I think it supersedes race and creed and everything. It's, a, it's just a dad
1: thing. That, ha- that they have guys. Yeah. For dad, all dads
2: have guys. You, you, you got a guy for your hair. You got a guy for your, for your shoes. You got a guy for your car.
1: What about if you don't have a guy for something? Do you have a guy you gotta guy? You got to find a guy who has a guy. You got a guy guy that gets you guys.
2: No, you just got to go to your friends and say, hey, do you have a guy? And the guy's you have a
1: are guy, the, have the guy. Chances are, we, we got to ask Joel. Hey, do you got a guy for? I I asked Joel. I, I asked
2: him. About, I, I hey, I said, hey, do you, do you have a guy for your car? And he's like, yeah, yes, I do.
1: You got a guy for? Uh- and he referred me. <laughs>
2: no, I I don't. Aaron and I are too young to have guys.
1: Yeah, so we haven't we haven't reached we- that level yet of having. I have one sort of guy, but I can't say what it is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't Adam, even want to know what he's referring to. Adam, That yeah, he, uh, Day has like a three-hole thing out in his backyard. I don't, he, maybe he watched the same video that I do, but uh, it was a pretty cool concept for a YouTube channel. This guy just goes around. Some, like I don't know how, how what is, because I, I reach so it's out. So like, it's like MTV Cribs? Yeah, I reach out to people, and I'm like, hey, you want to come on our show for 15 minutes? This guy's reaching out to people, and he's like, hey, can I come into your house with a video camera? But somehow he's, he's getting yeses.
2: <laughs> no, Aaron doesn't have a weed guy, because weed is legal in Michigan, so I, I, I highly doubt. Aaron would go to the black market when you can go to it at any dispensary.
1: Same but. thing with Bookie. But uh, that, yeah, I mean, it right. might have been what I was talking about.
2: All right, All right uh. moving on. <laughs> um, so we're going to have uh, uh, our next guest on at 1 o'clock today. We're going to be talking, as I said, to uh, to Jamie Schmidt, the uh, founder of Schmidt's Naturals and a mentor on the show Going Public. And at 1.30 uh, or so, Jesse Kaler will hop on and uh, run through some charts and just hang out with us. But um, in the meantime, I'm open to talking about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, I I, uh, I I saw in, in all seriousness we did turn green. It seemed like the reason for that rally a few min- moments ago was Pete more no uh. more economic sanctions on Russia coming from the White House. I saw the headline um, here. I'll bring up my chart here. I saw the headline at come through right as Pete was hopping on. So that. That probably was it, but it, uh, I don't
1: know. At what point does the Vanek Russia ETF
2: get interesting to you? Uh, so give me the symbol because there's three There's three um, Russian ETFs. RSX,
1: I, I believe. RSX, yeah. That's
2: the one that people were talking about. Um, does it get interesting? Yeah. I mean, like, I – It's, I, oh, it's I, at,
1: like, COVID uh, – No, it's not. What? Well,
2: it's at a low from October of 2020.
1: Well, well where did it get down to in the COVID crash?
2: Like, 15 uh thirteen. Okay. 13. That's where
1: it gets interesting to me.
2: Everything gets interesting at the COVID level. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I, I don't know. Um like I, I think it's great that there are so many country specific ETFs out there, but personally I have no interest in in any country specific ETF. That Russia or otherwise. There's there's Well, a, you
1: used to be into K webs.
2: That okay. You got me there. That was a I'm here for. but th- that was not just that was a China internet. So it was even more niche. It was a yeah. China internet play. Yeah, I hear you. Um I'm not as interested in like any broad country, whether you know, there's ETFs for a bunch of countries in, in South America, there's ETFs for for a bunch of countries in Europe, a uh, bunch of countries in Asia. I have no interest in any of that. I would I'd just rather buy like some like EFA um what like uh e- e- efa right isn't efa just like the, the I, don't, I don't know um, yeah e- e- efa is basically like the spy of the world just doesn't include the u.s
1: so planet cyclist is asking can we explain sanctions essentially oh gosh, sanctions. no are, well i'm, I'm going to give you like a well, explain like your are five okay sanctions are a way to economically punish a country um right so you have Certain ways to it's basically you, you the easiest, it, you, it's basically the easiest way to pun- to say hey yeah. I don't like what you're doing without actually like intervening with military you know with force it's basically a diplomatic slap on the wrist yeah exactly you
2: you can make it harder for a country to bank and to uh, to trade uh, goods and services um, and I believe the sanctions are placed on
1: on like the Russian bank like it's not like the actual I don't know. There's a lot of specifics. You want to get into the weeds in it. You're in the wrong place. So yeah. We don't, but I do think, you Spencer, don't get that serious here. and I'll, I'll leave this up to the chat as well. But we do this show for essentially two and a half hours every day. Today will be a little bit longer because I started early. Um, but if we took maybe 10, 15 minutes a show to talk about maybe some non-market related headlines, or really what I'm saying, I'm going to be transparent about this, is I'll search what's hot on like Google Trends, what people are searching for, and then we talk about it in hopes that... Uh, we get a few more views because uh, they're breathing down our neck. You know, our 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 t- two eighty five and eighty five likes isn't going to cut it. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. Um, it's not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. So um, I th- I think that's a I
2: think it's a very good idea, Aaron. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what is trending today uh well i'm just saying like
1: world. outs you know like instead of making it two and a half hours of straight market and stock talk the majority of that stays but then we yeah have, i'm for it um maybe some other ways to try to optimize our our seo and whatnot
2: i'm for it yeah let's go and google trends right now uh okay so the top trending item is oh yeah that that, that helicopter crash in in utah that was very sad um i haven't uh, i don't know anything about this yet because you're ill informed. Uh there's a winter storm warning? Oh gosh. No. Where? Oh, it's in What? It's in Texas?
1: Oh, I... oh, energy trade. Last time this happened last year when everything froze over in Texas, energy went crazy.
2: I don't think this is to that degree. But there is a winter storm warning in Texas right now. Uh, uh, through Luke, through, Luke think that Luke says that's bullish for lesbians. I I, I know. <laughs> I, I he says that. I I have a hard time. I try to catch myself if I think I'm gonna say something that is so callous, like that. we're like I will make money off of this. Eh. I try to stop myself. I think it's a little bit callous. Is he right? Maybe. But who was it? That said, I I try not to, not to do that.
1: Who was it that said they they didn't want to sound like Chamath, but they were like, but who cares about Ukraine? I think it was someone on our show. Yeah that that that
2: was um that, that was
1: yesterday I think. I know, who was it was. <laughs> that was um,
2: oh gosh, he still there on the show yesterday. That was um.
1: I, I was just. Oh, was that that was, that was David? That was
2: David Green. Yeah.
1: Um, I I was just. I, I would, thought that was funny because I caught myself from essentially saying like the same exact thing. And I did I did kind of make that point yesterday that we're all as long as you stay in the markets, there are going to be times where there are interventions. Uh, you know, there are military interventions going, or there are you know geopolitical tensions rising. Does that mean every single time that happens, you need to get out of the market and everything's going to crash? No. You can look at the at the overall market, the chart over time, and see different. Um, you know, conflicts that have happened and, and if that conflict had an impact on the market at all. So um, I don't know. I mean, to me, we'll see. We'll see um, this. Someone from Morgan Stanley, I did want to pull this up, Okay, said that if we see de-escalation from here, so essentially uh, the things in Russia and Ukraine don't get worse and, and maybe even de-escalate, he, he sees an easy 5 to 10% rally in the markets.
2: Uh, J.P. Morgan also said to buy the dip.
1: Yeah, today. like a bunch of institutional investors have been basically saying that they're not too worried. I've seen some others saying that, like um, not the worst case scenario, which is because worst case scenario was obviously like World War Three, and I wouldn't be sitting here, I'd be drafted. Um, that's worst case scenario, but essentially like uh, outside of that, everything's already pretty much priced
2: in. Oh wait, so wait, just to uh, fin- put a bow on the conversation from before Pete, we were talking about SoFi and all that stuff. And I so SoFi right now, is 2.8% of my portfolio. Now multiply that by two, because I've seen my stake cut in half. So at one point it was around 5%, and now it's less than that. But anyway, it's not gonna kill me. So if I won't, at 2.8% of my portfolio, or even at 5% or a little more, not gonna kill me. Um, so I am not sweating SoFi. Uh, I am underwater, very bad. I maintain my bull thesis. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. So be it. But at a certain point, you you really have to do. You have to know the difference between a trade and an investment. You you really do. Okay. Not all investments work out. At a certain point, there will come a time where I will. There will come a time where I will have to reassess this trade. But it's not now. I mean I bought the stock like less than a year ago. I bought it in May. Okay. So in the grand scheme of things, what's that, nine months? It's not a lot. In the grand scheme of things. I'll at least reassess it when it when it becomes a long a quote unquote long term holding as far as tax purposes the end of May. But um no, I, 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 I'm not feeling pressure or pain or anything on sofi because it's i know i know why i bought it i bought it for a long-term thing and i'm not trying to change my mind uh all right let's do a quick crypto update and then we can uh, move on to a few other things all right i can't make heads or tails of this heat map here because it is green yesterday it was straight red today it's straight green i don't even know what to what to say about it oh wait that's a new one BCH, is that new? Oh, that's Bitcoin Cash. And FTT. I don't know if I've seen that on here before. Oh, yeah, we did. That's FTX. Sorry. Yeah, we did. I'm trying to. CRO's uh, coin. Yeah, coin, crypto coin. Uh, crypto, yeah. yeah. OK, yeah, so the, the, nothing new on the heat map. But uh, hey, green on the screen, that's cool. What's Dogecoin at? 15 cents? 13 and a Oof. quarter. Oof. 13 and a quarter. Hey, look, we just had
1: that guy's brother on our stream. Uh, yes, we did.
2: Anyway, uh, your crypto heat map and your crypto update are brought to you by Voyager. Get $50, $50 sent to you, uh, worth of Bitcoin. When you sign up for an account using the offer code Zing, Z-I-N-G, you fund it with a hundred bucks and you make a trade, they will send you $50, $50 worth of BTC into your account. Check it. Get it, got it, good. All right. Twelve fifty three, seven minutes until our next guest. Um What else was on my list here? I had a few other things on my list to talk I don't about.
1: know. I've never and I've never tried Schmidt's natural deodorant, but I don't know if you've ever tried any natural deodorant. It doesn't really work for me. Uh
2: no, I no. I, I don't do a lot of brand experimentation. Oh, you're pretty loyal to your brands. In my life. It's not that I'm loyal, so much as I'm lazy. And I don't want to put the unless like unless I got like a serious recommendation, I don't want to put like the mental energy into like, finding a new brand. Like I, I just stick with Old Spice. I've been using Old Spice for God, I don't even know how long. Just stick with that. So uh, anyway, uh, something else I wanted to do uh, before we bring Jamie on here is bring on the earnings calendar. For the week, we are still in earnings season, as hard as it is to believe. The earnings never seem to end, though I'm okay with that because I love earnings season. So where's my heat map? There it is. Or not my heat map, my earnings calendar. There it is up on the screen. Looking ahead to tonight, eBay and Booking Holdings are probably your big two tonight. eBay, Booking Holdings. Fubo is interesting. Skills is interesting. Uh, L Brands and Victoria's Secret both report. That's a little bit interesting as well. Um, but eBay and Booking are going to be your top two reports of interest tonight. Um, booking is interesting. and uh, I'm going to pull up the chart because that reopening trade, we talked about that on premarket prep, it has been hot. It's been a really, really nice trade. It's kind of come off here in the past week or so. Let me get my Did chart up see, on this. Uh, have you
1: seen skills recently?
2: Uh, no, let's look at that next. But here, here's booking.
1: There we go.
2: That that was an all-time high last week, right on, on the sixteenth. All-time high of booking. So it's come off a little bit, but it was a very nice trade overall. Um. And it wasn't just Booking; it was Booking and it was Expedia. So I want to see uh, what they say as far as uh, um, you know how Omicron affected their business at all, and whether what they say about the rest of the year. Are, are we back to pre-COVID levels, and if not, when do we think we'll get there? eBay is always of interest. Um, it is a grow. eBay is a growth name. I, I mean, it's not a new company, but it, for a long time, it traded with PayPal because they, they had the, they had the partnership there, and then um, now they they are they they're not with PayPal anymore. They're probably glad they're not with PayPal these days. But uh, eBay gotten punished with the rest of tech here uh, as a beneficiary of the pandemic. So I don't know. We've gone from eighty to fifty five in the last uh, four months on eBay. Let's see if we can give it a level. Um, that low from March is interesting. That low of uh, fifty three forty five. That's interesting. Um, the bar is low for eBay at the same time. You kind of have to group them in with every other, uh, pandemic play in that they're probably going to show that growth is not growing at the same rate. It was during the, during the first two years of the pandemic. Um, however, there's the other side of that coin that the retail, the consumer is strong and retail sales are strong. Does that translate to eBay? I, I don't know. But we'll find out. Conference calls today at five o'clock. Earnings after the close tonight. And then looking ahead to tomorrow morning. Let's get my calendar back on the screen. Um, Alibaba is a big one. A B. It's my baby. Uh, yes. Alibaba tomorrow uh moderna tomorrow morning wayfair
1: oh gosh i have not know wayfair you know what uh you know the phrase where it's like planet fitness you-
2: what planet fitness is tomorrow oh, and, and papa john's it's a pair trade
1: do you know the phrase it's like you don't know what you've got until it's gone uh yeah okay i i listened to uh no i was gonna say it's like you don't quit or you don't you don't lose if you you don't lose like when you're down you lose if you quit or like something like that you know I don't know what you're talking about. All right, so, something, something along those lines. Well, where are we going with this? I that's how I feel about Baba. I'm not. I didn't lose. I'm, I'm not wrong on Baba. I'm, I didn't lose until I quit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I'm out. Then I'm wrong on Baba. Um, Spencer, did you, you see? So you-
2: it's only a loss if you sell. Yeah, uh, yeah, ah, but it's okay. not
1: even like a market quote. It's like, it's like you don't quit when you fall down, you quit. Or you don't lose if you fall down, you lose if you stay down, or something like that. You
2: know? No, Thrifty, Alibaba's CEO was never missing.
1: Eh, I don't know if I'd say that.
2: Because Jack Ma's not the CEO, oh. so technicality <laughs> on that one. And he Good was chairman. never he was never missing. He was just out of public eye for a uh, while.
1: Yeah, sure. You guys, here, 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 you sure. Jack Ma is my favorite CEO of all time, maybe. What? Have you seen his... like? Give, give me another CEO. Do you, do you
2: have a? I don't have a favorite CEO of all time. I do. Jason Raskin. Boom.
3: Oh, favorite shit. CEO of is all he, time. Is he watching?
1: Nailed it. Is he watching? Probably not. Then, <laughs> I don't know where Jason is. Because I'd be would be screwed if he heard me say that.
2: Where in the world is Jason Rasnick? Check his Instagram. Wait, what? what oh, you're, you're talking about for the? Yeah,
1: I, I saw this. He literally dressed up as Michael. J- Wait, no, this isn't even what I was talking about. Yeah, I, I know what you're referring to. Jack Ma guitar. Yeah, this wasn't this like two years ago. Yeah, I'm saying, yeah. show me another CEO that's that's going out there doing this. Or maybe it was more. I don't know. Look at like a cool guy. He is.
2: My other favorite CEO is Jamie Schmidt, who's coming on next. Founder of Schmidt's Naturals. Boom! What a segue. All right. Yeah.
1: Then let's do it. Let's yeah. give her the new special intro.
2: All right. Let, let's give her the new special. We got some complaints that the the special intro was too loud. So we 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 brought down the 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 levels a little bit
1: it's too quiet for me now now it's too
2: quiet it can't, make like Goldie, happy. Gold, can't make anyone happy Goldilocks can't make anyone it's because it's oh Jamie how are we doing here hey good happy to be I'm here. here I'm hearing my self I think from your computer Uh-oh. although not now it's gone OK, which is OK, cool. Anyway, Jimmy Schmidt, welcome to the show. As I mentioned earlier uh, in the hour, you are the founder of Schmidt's Naturals and a mentor on the show Going Public. Let's start with like the the background there because you so you, you were pregnant, right? And you created this company in your kitchen and you thought, yes, deodorants. That's where <laughs> I need
3: to be right now.
0: It's true. You know, deodorant wasn't something I was entirely passionate about as a kid. You know, I never imagined myself becoming the, you know, the queen of deodorant as I I became later in life. But um, really what it was, was, you know, you're right. I was pregnant. I was looking for healthier options to use on my body. And was very much a a DIY person living in Portland, Oregon. Everybody's a creator, a maker of some sort. And I was making things. And I thought, why not make my own deodorant, lotions and and soaps and things. Also, I was on a budget. uh, So it made sense to save a few bucks. Um, so with that, you know, I actually realized what I was making was good. It was quality product. And I decided to take it out to farmers markets around town. And the response I was getting from the community was incredible. People wanted more. And so I thought, this is my business. This is my calling.
2: Now there's a big difference though, between like farmers markets and selling your company for nine figures to Unilever. So how do you go from, from farmers market to
3: that?
0: Well, it took about seven years. Um, okay. I think the trick was was honestly not having an end goal, never looking okay. too far ahead. I, I didn't go into this thinking, you know, I'm going to build this business and sell it to Unilever one day. Um, but, you know, one step at a time and things started to, to fall into place. Um, you know, our, my product was different from what was on the market. I like to say that, you know, it's, innovation isn't about creating something entirely new. It's about just putting your own unique spin on something that people already want and need. Um, So that's what I did with Schmidt's. You know, I I was innovative with the fragrances I was using, with the formula that I had created, um, and just the way that I was marketing the product. And also the distribution channels. That was a big, I think, key for for Schmidt's scaling is that we were looking at distribution channels that the competition wanted nothing to do with. So for a natural deodorant, for example, you think, oh, I'm going to find this at Whole Foods or at the farmer's markets. But I wanted wanted my product to be found in stores like Walmart, Target, and Costco, where you wouldn't expect the average natural consumer to be shopping.
2: Yeah, so... Tell us what you're working on right now because after the, aside from Schmidt Naturals, you, you, you've got like your own, like, like a it's a VC fund or yep.
0: something like Yeah, it's a family office. It's called Color okay. Capital. I started it with my husband and business partner, Chris. Um, just the two of us, no LPs, and we invest primarily in consumer packaged goods, um, but we've expanded a bit into some Web3 as well.
2: Ooh, Web3. Yeah.
0: That's a whole other topic for another day. That's really. a whole
2: other topic for another day. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Maybe maybe we'll we'll get back to that. but I, I also want to ask you because it says there on the screen, obviously, you are a uh, a mentor on the Gong Public show. We've been talking to various mentors and entrepreneurs from that show in the past couple of weeks. Um, and I was watching your segment from I guess it was last week and maybe even the week before now at this point, I can't remember. but um and you, your your big thing seemed to be about like kind of what you said, just knowing knowing your customer and then you and then and then marketing.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I think that was kind of my secret with Schmitz. In the earliest days, I was, um, you know, I brought um, a sense of, I guess, vulnerability to, to the business, right? I didn't come into this thinking, this is how I want to build the product. These are the customers I'm going to reach, and here's how I'm going to do it. It was more like, yeah. let's keep an open mind and let the customers teach me. And that, you know, became more challenging as the business scaled, but it, it remained a critical component of, like, who we were as a brand.
2: Yeah. So I'm, I'm just curious, like, is anything... Anything surprised you from the companies that, that, that you've worked with so far on I the think, show? Because you've been working with Proven yeah. and NGT and Hamid, I think.
0: Yeah, what I what I've appreciated the most is just how open minded the the founders have all been. You know, it's hard to to allow some somebody to come in and, and assess your business and tell you how to do things. And um, yeah. you know, I think a big part of that is your approach to mentoring. You know, for me, it's coming in and being collaborative and not saying, "Here's what you need to change." It's more like, "Let's think about it this way." Um, but the founders have all just been extremely open-minded and excited, and um, just really, you know, willing to to take the feedback, which has been really fun.
2: Yeah, and I'm I'm showing some clips now from episode four, which is where you, um, uh, I made your first appearance uh, on the show. Um, okay, and 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 uh, thrifty in the chat, uh, what is Web three? What's well, a it's a whole <laughs> other can of worms. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we, we we'll get there get there in a second. Um. But I, I guess Jamie, like I, I want to know, like, what, where is most of your attention spent these days? Is it, is it doing the the investing for the family office? Is it on, you know, is it helping other like founders uh, and female founders, you know, grow their business? Is yeah, all, all of it,
0: to? all of it, really. You know, my what motivates me more than anything is just helping other entrepreneurs to take the leap, um, whether that's you know just getting started with a business idea or figuring out how to scale the business or. Refreshing their thinking around an you know, existing business concept, um, that, that's fun for me. And so that shows up in different ways. Um, through my investment fund, I do some consulting on the side, of course, the, the going public show. Um, I've also started a new initiative um, in, in the crypto space. It's called BFF. Um, the idea there is that uh, we are a platform for welcoming um, mostly women and, and some non-binary people into this space that's that's been heavily dominated by men.
2: Uh, I'm curious, like since the theme of the show is is you know mentoring companies going public, uh, if you can share a particularly good or a particularly bad piece of advice you got. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> bad is um, bad is preferable. It's
0: also subjective. I think. I think one thing that you know I've realized as a founder who people you know have, can say that successful, you know, given given my path and my exit, I think it's it's so key to really take every piece of advice with a grain of salt. (laughs)
3: Um, Mm -hmm.
0: I think it's important for people who have made it to, to approach everything with humility and just uh, to understand that like their way is not the only way, but it's, it can still help advise and inform people. And and I think the biggest part is um, storytelling. I think that's the greatest way to teach and for people to learn is just through stories. It's less about a playbook that's scripted. It's more about here's what I learned from this crazy experience and here's where things went wrong. And here's how we, how we came out of
3: it.
2: When you look at a consumer products company, because that's where your, that's what you've made your area of expertise. Um, what what sort of things do you do you look for that, that stick out to you as a group, major green flag or like mm-hmm. big red flag, like whether it's like whether it's the brand or or, or the broader company.
0: I talked earlier about innovation, right? Um, so we're, when we look at a product or a, a brand, it's less about like, this is some very new, compelling, you know, innovative idea. It's more, how can we take a concept that's been around for a long time that already has product market fit, but do yeah. it a little bit differently and do it in a way that's uh, bringing more accessibility and, and, and tapping into consumer groups that have, may have been overlooked in the past. Um, I go back to the example of building Schmidt's with a natural product that I got into some of the mainstream retailers like, like, costco and walmart where you wouldn't expect to find a natural product created in a kitchen um so people are looking at you know their distribution in a more strategic way are really attractive to me
2: how how did you do that by the way i mean yeah because you you, you have to find you have to find the middleman you got to find like the shopper right
0: it's having no fear right and just approaching retailers and saying here's why you need my product um, but it, it helps, you know, to, to level up. So I started of course, with some of the natural uh, or excuse me, some of the more local retailers, like small mom and pop shops, and then made a case for, you know um, why my product was selling well and why the next, the next retailer up the ladder might need to carry it. So when I approached Whole Foods, for example, I could say, Hey, I've been selling in these smaller co-ops, but and here's my numbers. And here's how we're you know, selling compared yeah. to the competition. And then just continuing to make a case for yourself.
2: Yeah. And, and as you said, it was a, uh overnight success seven years in the making right yeah
0: <laughs> yeah right so. and the first few years were slow intentionally you know i did not pursue this as a full-time you know um, commitment really until a couple years in i bootstrapped the business so i didn't have you know vc money to lean on but i also didn't have vcs to answer to which was a nice you know nice way to build a business
2: so what was the moment where you thought okay i need to i, I need to actually commit to this thing this is more than a hobby now
0: yeah, I think it was when I just literally felt, you know, so stretched thin that it, it was just most passionate about putting my attention into the brand. You know, I had other things going on. I was a new mom. I had a couple of little side projects um, um, that, you know, were, were keeping me busy and excited, but but not as much as Schmidt's. And I, I knew if I put my full self into it that the brand was going somewhere.
2: And so then, I think it was in 2019, I want to say, no, it's 2017, where yep. Unilever uh, uh, approached you. Well, I'm assuming they approached you. I'm assuming you didn't approach them. But at, like, at, uh, how did you decide that that was the that was the route to go?
0: You know, the, the business was at a point where it it needed more than what I could give. You know, we had a very lean team, didn't have much of a C-suite. Uh, we were certainly at a point where we were competing, with, you know, at a really significant level with some of the heritage brands. Um, and so we, could, we needed the support and we were about to start fundraising. As I mentioned, I hadn't raised any capital, um, but we were at a turning point where we had to. Um, so taking on a partner like Unilever, of course, solved the, the capital issue, but also, uh, you know, unlocked some distribution channels, consumer insights and, um, and just things that we never would have access to as a small independent brand.
2: I'm just curious because I've heard this from other founders, you know, on podcasts that I listen to. That after they sold their company, they felt like a sense of mourning, almost like a sense of loss, because it was no longer it was their baby, yeah. and they just sold their baby. Did you feel that way at all?
0: Yeah, I can relate to that. There, there was yeah. just an abundance of emotion, really. You know, that I, yeah. of course a little bit of sadness and loss, but also just really pride, you know, for having built something so so significant. Um, and then excitement for what the future could hold. You know, I wouldn't be sitting here talking about the going public series if I hadn't, you know, been able to to have a, an exit like I did with with Unilever. And so, um, it's just you know, it's a, it was a turning point in my career and in my life for sure.
2: Awesome, Jamie Schmidt, uh, founder of Schmidt's Naturals, mentor in going public. Jamie, last question here: Give us one trend, one like consumer products mm-hmm. trend that that you are like. The most bullish on right now.
0: Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say the the crossover with with kind of the Web three space and consumer. Um, there's just a lot of okay. about-
2: uh, elaborate for those who don't know what Web three is explain it like yeah. like we're four.
0: Yeah, so basically we're at this stage where the we're, the, the internet has progressed into um, being more off chain, right? Um, and so I want to try to keep it in simple terms. So like let's think about a brand for example, con- consumer. A consumer products company who might for example yeah. have the opportunity to create an nft project i know there's a lot of mixed opinions right now about about nfts but i think the opportunity for consumer brands to tap into something like this could really unlock a lot of potential in marketing and acquiring new customers and keeping existing customers happy i wrote i wrote a, a twitter thread about it and i'm happy to to share somewhere okay. like if it's relevant
2: yeah uh all right I, I will go find i know i'm following you I, I will go find your twitter thread and and read it uh after the show today because because <laughs> because the 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 implications of web three on any on all businesses i think we're still learning it we still don't really know yet it's so so early um but um it, it feel in a weird way it feels like mid 90s but also people say well how did that end and so whatever uh conversation for another day jamie schmidt founder of schmidt's naturals mentor on the show going public the links to those are in the uh description of this video i'll put them in the chat they're also on the screen jamie uh, a pleasure to chat with you thank you so much for coming on benzing alive today I enjoyed it thank you all right thank you all right, it is one thirteen p.m. Eastern Time. Aaron Breeze lost his headphones. What are you doing, man? What is he doing? Are you back with me? Hey, guys. What the heck was that? You just lost your headphones.
1: I did. I got him back, though. That was a good interview. Great job, okay. Spencer.
2: Um, wait, real fast. You didn't put the links to... You didn't put any links for Jamie in the description. We got to get that links in the description, man.
1: Wait, you mean Jesse?
2: No, for Jamie Schmidt, for going public. All right, I'm putting them in the description right now. They should be there.
1: Oh, I thought you meant links to join the show. Nothing clarifies like clarity.
2: No, like the links to watch their show and also to um, learn more about the companies. I'm going to put that in the description right now, so I'm editing that. So all talk amongst yourselves Uh,
1: thrifty says we need a thirst trap emoji I don't know what that entails but I also don't know know
2: what that means speaking of emojis you guys want an emoji of of um, Aaron or myself it's very easy to get
1: I need to get I need I need to get a better emoji
2: okay you want an emoji you want to use an emoji of Aaron or myself go to uh, youtube.com slash Benzinga click that join button that join button opens you up to our YouTube membership program. Three ninety nine a month uh to start. And we'll be adding more tiers with more benefits and more perks um here shortly. But for the moment it's just the badges and emojis of Aaron, myself, Mitch, Chris Catchy, Luke, and I think that's it.
1: Maybe? I don't remember. There's a cat on there too. There's a cat on there. And the cat came back. The very next day. Um,
2: What was I going to say before I got distracted? I was going to say, uh, no, I was going to take stock of of the market right now because I, I,
1: I think we reversed. I
2: find that I tend to lose sight of the market on this show.
1: I think it reversed again.
2: Because I'm so focused on like the interview or what's up next or what we're talking about that I lose sight. Oh, new low of the day.
1: Well, See that's what's been going on in this market. Every single rip, you could even the one off the off the open today. You could have sold that. You could have waited till the reversal, sold that rip. Um, shoot, I'm I'm. Wait,
2: Maurice, Maurice, just rewind the stream to like the first five minutes. About she asked about Coinbase. No, she asked about Tesla. Ooh.
1: Rewind the stream to the first five minutes. We talked about Tesla already. Yeah, I was saying I didn't like it. Bearish in the short term. Gosh
2: that was a very short lived rally
1: new low of the day new low of the
2: week um
1: i think i think i think what's this-
2: the low of the year what's the low of the year on the spy 42076 420, 420 that's appropriate
1: i think this is the i think this is these are this is the big guys shaking out trying to shake out the last of the remaining of the of the Things that.
2: things now start to get really interesting, just from a spy perspective, right? Because the, the closer you get to that 420, the closer you get to the low of the year. That's also uh, coincidentally the low of... Um,
1: D- DG gave us 422 as his... Uh... Bounce level. Okay. So I don't know if he meant like reversal, like we're going out of a bearish market, we're getting into a bullish market, or if he just meant we're at least going to bounce there a little bit. So I'm watching that level 422, 423 on the SPY. If we get down there today, I'm definitely going to look at some...
2: 422? If we
1: get down there today, that would be... Right, uh, another percent? I think that would be pretty dramatic. If no, we it'd be... It'd be be like another. Okay, th- th- right th- that would
2: be pretty. We got three hours left. So that would be pretty we're,
1: dramatic. We're down, down three dollars and thirty cents right now. Down seventy five percent. So if we drop down another seventy point seventy five percent, so then it was one and a half percent down to four twenty. Oh. I don't think that'd be that crazy. Spy down one and a half percent.
2: Things start to really get interesting when you make a new low of the year as 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 four twenty would mean. So um, I just
1: don't like. Everyone now is bearish, so if everyone's out there buying puts, I, I am, I'm,
2: I'm bearish in the sense that I don't think the market will close green for the year. But I, I also don't think like right right now we're down what, eleven percent on the year, something like that. I don't think we're going to close down eleven percent on the year. I think we're going to close down to less than that. In the spy i don't know where exactly i'm not a you know a wizard but the further we fall here the more likely i the more i i look for like a bounce because we this that's what happened last time we just you know and, and it, it took what it took a month well uh it took three weeks to to get back to these lows from late january right it, we basically spent the entirety of february higher than we were a month ago. Um, so I'm kind of looking for a bounce again. That's just what I mean. That's just that's what I've said like this entire time is, I think it's just going to be chop, chop, and more chop. If you, you can argue that we've been in a, a sideways market really since like September, right? I know we made a new all-time high at the end of the year. I'm sorry. That was actually at the that was that was in January, January fifth or fourth, but um, we've really gone nowhere in the last five months. So the longer we hang out down here, the more I look for a bounce. And of course, if we if we were to start falling, if we were if we were to start seriously falling into the teens, right? Well, maybe that changes the conversation a little bit. That's that that'd be pretty dramatic, but um this is just the spy. Let's pull up the cues. Take take a look at that. Oh man. Oh wow. Look at that chart on the Qs. Look at this. So what was the low of the year? It was from January twenty-fourth, and it was three thirty-four fifteen. We are making a new low for the NASDAQ since June of last
1: year. Whew. So here, here's my thing is it's just, I, I, I refuse to believe anything, especially in the markets, is that is like easy or that easy. Like the idea, like when Dogecoin was going crazy, everyone that was a big Dogecoin backer was just like, oh, buy Dogecoin, we're all going to get rich. Like, yeah. I never bought into that because it's like, oh, you really think like we're all just going to buy this speculative asset? We're literally all going to get, that's not how it works. And right now, I feel like it's, everyone is setting up for a full right now we've had a pretty hefty correction everyone's looking for like a full cry, you know buying puts whatever i just don't think it's that easy i don't think it says that easy to look at this chart and say oh yeah we're going to keep going down so i'm going to keep buying puts um i'm I'm not obviously that's possible i can't say the other way it's going to work oh we're just going to buy calls and we're all going to get rich no i don't know what's going to happen from here could i see us like you said just chopping up and down kind of kind of staying right here yeah but i don't I don't know. I just I'm not buying all this doom and gloom out there. That's fair. I'm just not worried about it. I don't think a lot. Maybe maybe it's just the big guys saying they're not worried about it. But all the big banks, institutional investors, they're out there buying dips.
2: I I will say I did. I I always kind of wondered what would happen to the market if if the major if the mega cap tech stocks were to do nothing for a period of time oh
1: yeah right yeah like and, last, last year we had the and
2: this sort of answers that because i obviously i knew that that to some extent the market is tied to those 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 fang stocks because they make up so much of the the indexes but but i I wondered if like the rest of the indexes would would comp would 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 compensate like if the money would flow from mega cap to like small cap or to mid cap and uh and it yeah and cause, it, it cause hasn't last it year hasn't. we
1: saw spy up I want to say, what was it, like 18% on the year or something? I don't remember the exact percent, but it was like all driven by the big names, all driven by Apple, Microsoft, yeah. uh, Netflix, whomever. Um, Andrew in the chat is asking, what's the positive catalyst? Here's the thing. I, I
2: have an answer, but I want to hear what your answer is.
1: My answer is you don't need one. I mean, look at, look at the, look at the uh, spy all-time chart, the stock market all-time chart. What do stocks do over time? It goes up. You don't need a positive yeah. catalyst. All you need is just the economy running as normal. Stocks will go up, I think. But I, if you're looking for specific positive catalysts, some that we can get in the next couple months would be just improved economic data. Maybe the, the Fed says, oh, our, our economy is recovering really well from uh, the Omicron fears. We're actually increasing our GDP prediction, um, all, all these different things. Uh Going out of any type of COVID restrictions, business going back, supply chains easing. There's a, a ton of. Can, you, different- can I
2: give you another one that you haven't said yet? Sure. The Fed, the Fed, the Fed, the Fed, the Fed, the Fed, the Fed is the Fed holding off. What rates. if the Fed says in March we're going to raise rates a quarter point, and we will reassess how the market reacts to that? And what if they downplay more rate hikes?
1: Or what if the Fed said, "Hey, we were, we, we, we are." Slowing down our asset purchasing, but mm, this dip looks tasty. We might get in here and buy buy the dip. No, that's not how it works. No, no.
2: But they they they, they would say, that not they would they could say, uh, or they could try to throw water on the idea of like, you know, four, five, six uh, quarter point rate hikes. Um, one rate hike is all but certain, but it hasn't even happened yet. My crud- main point was crud- if approach.
1: you. Take away, I don't, even, I don't even think you need huge positive catalysts. You just need the absence of negative catalysts, and the stock market tends to go up over time. Um, but but we shall see. The problem
2: is it just, it just did, though. It just did. So you are due for a correction, and we've gotten it. But we just had the best uh, year and a half that anybody can ever remember. Like, seriously, March of 2020 to January of this year, uh, and I get it—not for everyone, not for—not for, not for Arc, right? Not for high-growth stocks. But like in the indexes, it was ridiculous. It was—it ins- was so easy. So yeah, are we due for a a correction, just like the uh, the the mega—not just like the the Arc names and the Palantons have come back down to earth, come back to where they started, or in some cases lower do the indexes have to do the same? They can, certainly. They can go back to where they started. Just, just this whole thing started in the SPY in, in the 330s, right? That's so where this whole thing started.
1: And just to give some people some context on this correction we're in right now versus that uh, crash induced by COVID, because um, I know some people may not have been in the markets back then, but are in the markets now. So this drawdown that we've had is, it a, is about 10, 11% on the SPY from, from its highs in uh, early January. So, a 10% drawdown over a month and a half. Still a drawdown. Call it six six weeks. Yeah. The COVID crash was a 30% drop in, in two, three weeks? two weeks Two weeks, three weeks. So, about half the time, three times wow. uh, the, the amount dropped percentage-wise in uh, half the time. I mean, it was, it was terrible. I mean, yeah, for was, people that were just buying holders, yeah. uh, it was a terrible it time. Was it was
2: violent. It was violent. If you were not scared... And I, people were scared for their health. But putting that aside, if you were not scared for the future of your portfolio, in March of 2020, you don't have a pulse. It was it was terrifying. I, I, I've told this story before, but I have a friend, a family friend who retired from uh, teaching in January 2020. Can you imagine retiring? And then two months later, you lose half your, a quarter of your portfolio.
1: Yeah, I was working at. Well, I can't imagine that, but I was working at a uh, golf course at the time, and all these guys that are like retirees are like, you know, just they're shitting their pants. Sh- yeah, they're, they're shitting their, shit their pants. And then they, it was yeah. I mean, it was it was bad.
2: Anyway, the Russell obviously looks disgusting. It's been that way. Nothing. Oops. It's nothing. Nothing's really changed on the small cap front. Um. Whoa.
1: What do we got going on? Uh, we got the roadmap for the show today.
2: Yeah. Um, gosh. Wow. So the Russell started 2021 at at 196. And we're at 195 right now. Gosh. Yeah, I don't know. I, guys, I, I don't know. It's not a... It's a stock picker's market, but you got to look away from the indexes and you got to look away from tech. Well, actually, no. If you want to buy the dip, you can go tech. But like, what's been strong? Oil and staples and utilities. That's that's where the strength is. Does it stay that way? I, I don't know. But like, look at Coke, all time high. Look at Kraft Heinz. It's been a ripping. It's Kraft Heinz. It's been ripping.
3: I don't know. I don't know.
2: <sighs> yeah, maybe I should, Quantum. Uh, okay, uh, speaking of the roadmap, that, that's our NFT show that airs every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If you guys missed our List Maker show today, we did a special two-hour show devoted to NFTs. It was the show before this one. Check it out, youtube.com slash Benzinga. Um Wait. Wait, wait, what is, what is MOS? Should I know that a mosaic? Guys, I still keep an eye on the MSOS. I, I, I own a bunch of, I don't own this, but I own four of the stocks for the largest holdings in this fund. Same thing with SoFi. I really don't look at it, but man, I mean, it, it, it's not fun. Okay. Um, and same thing with like over. I saw on Overstock last night, right? Is Overstock had? Uh, oh, actually, I want to talk to you about Overstock for a second, Aaron. Um, this annoyed me this morning. Okay, check this out. This is what Overstock did. So, there's three different news events on Overstock, all coming from the company. Okay. We have a press release out at 5 p.m. yesterday. Okay. the parent company of the New York Stock Exchange has invested in T-Zero, which is uh, Overstock's blockchain um, exchange. Yep. Okay. That's at 5 o'clock yesterday. This morning, 6 a.m., earnings. Okay. Okay. Nothing crazy about that. No. Fast forward two hours. Their conference call starts at 8.30, but at the same time that the conference call starts, they drop another press release. Saying that they've successfully launched their clearance and settlement functionality for securities transactions for T-Zero. T-Zero is an alternative trading service, mm. or alternative trading system. That Why couldn't they have just said that yesterday or in the earnings release? I have no clue. I mean, it, it pumped the stock, so I guess it did its job. But, like, that should piss you off, I yeah. feel like, as a as a as a trade, I, I don't know, as a trader, and not that they they don't care about traders, but like I've, and if you're an investor, you're in this for the long term anyway, but like, give me the information, give it to me all at once. Let me decide what's important. Let the market decide what's important. don't don't like um uh, uh drip what's it called like, like like slow like don't slow play your own news. put it out there. I agree with that. anyway, overstock. A lot of people are happy today, but look, they're, they, they've had a rough year and a half, too. Overstock went from over 100 bucks in November, to, to, to thir- and it was in the 30s yesterday. Invest- we say it all the time. Investing is hard. Really, really hard. Uh, this is a good question. Can we get a guest that, ex- that can explain how to build an algorithm? Ooh. Uh, we could like a pro- trading algorithm we, or just
1: any type of algorithm. Yeah, I uh, I'm
2: assuming he means a trading algorithm. We could get a guest that can show you how to build some stuff in ThinkorSwim or TradeStation. Um, but algorithmic trading is is, I I mean it again. Y- you have to know what it. It's it's an interesting question. Um i never had someone on the show explain how to do that. I have to think about how we could do that without being super like boring. No offense. Ophir knows how. Man, we haven't had Ophir on the show ever. Ophir got to leave.
1: Oh yeah, actually he gave me a cell phone number the other day.
2: Oh really? Yeah. I I, I I like Ophir. He's he's really good at what he does.
1: Yeah, I think I forget what it was. All right,
2: Jonathan, don't don't do that though. Don't buy some person's algorithm for ten grand. <laughs> if it was so good, why would they sell to you?
1: Listen, listen to this tweet. My wallet was compromised. I'm devastated. Someone took my ETH and slowly, over the past six months, traded it all little by little for all these worthless NFTs. Can devs please do something? That's funny. Was that over here?
3: Yeah. Ah. Oh.
2: Yeah. You got to look in the mirror. I assume that was the joke, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. That that, that they slowly used all their ETH buying worthless NFTs. Hey, man. Um, But there has been. I'm so torn over this because, like, Twitter is so... I mean, there's a lot of things that are polarizing right now. I don't really know how NFTs has become one of those things, but my Twitter is, like, half full of people who literally will, like, quote, retweet someone who's, like, mad about losing a bunch of their money in nfts yeah and like laugh at them and be like ha like you're so stupid you bought a, a jpeg that i can click right and download and then like <laughs> half of my twitter is like people like talking about how great these different nft projects are i do feel i feel really bad for people that have like bought projects um you know and, and lost their like hard-earned money on them at the same time if you're out there trying to sell me something saying this is you know, the future of art or whatever, then I don't know. Like, I just, I've, I feel like I'm not really, I don't really have um, loyalty to one side or the other. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm honestly, I'm just not big into NFT. I don't have any NFTs. I never I, have. I probably at this point never will. I feel like I've missed the trip. Well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say I'll never have an NFT because I have no clue. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's sad that there are people that have gotten, like, cleaned out of their of their savings just trying to, to-
2: I, I think one of the challenges is unlike um, stocks, there really is no roadmap for how to value a cryptocurrency or an nFT project, right like what gives it value?
1: Well you I, I think in that sense and it's kind of similar with stocks if, if you if you think you found something that is going to become, uh, you know, like the apple of everyone's eye, right? If you, if, if you saw like Bored Apes really early on and for some reason you thought um, this is going to be something that everyone's going to flock to. Uh, but I think there are a lot of NFT projects that you could look at and think that and then the, it doesn't end up happening.
2: Uh, right. But there is no agreed upon consensus for how to value this stuff because it's so early. Um, well,
1: I would argue that uh, I mean there wasn't really a lot of consensus on how to value at least certain stocks. I mean, look at AMC and GameStop, right? There was no <sighs> fundamental. There were there were that, really no those, reasons for the,
2: those. Are the exceptions to the rule? Tesla, I think. again, exception to the rule. Um, but until we can get that consensus out there of like how to value these things, then. The same thing is going to always happen, so i don't
1: well, I don't my know. prediction is that the uh, nft projects that survive or that thrive are the ones that that do tie some sort of real life utility to the project um, I, I think the i think the outside of like the board Ape yacht clubs are the ones that have become so big that they are kind of commodities the um The NFT projects where, say, like a band puts them out, then you get like special backstage pass. You know, like that's kind of cool.
2: That's what that's what we're talking about with um, um. Oh my gosh, the guy he was just on the Listmaker show. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Uh, good, 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 good Charlotte. Uh, Um, oh my god, I'm I'm having a freaking uh joel madden wow wow joel madden was just on our list maker show this morning talking about these but so here's the, here's
1: the thing is that's why I th- that's what th- that's where i think and the nfts will do well when they have real world utilities but if you're a band that's going to sell an nft that also acts as a backstage pet pa- i mean why not just sell the backstage pet pa- you know i just don't
2: yeah and the other side of that is like there's no regulation and the- so, there's no protection.
1: Yeah. So, if, could hack. If, I could steal your, you know, whatever. And then, is that what you're saying?
2: If I, well, yeah. And Joel was making the point this morning like, if you go to my concert and you buy a shirt, you're going to get that shirt. Or if you buy a ticket, you're getting that ticket or you get your money back. Right. There is no such protection
1: for NFTs right now. Right now. Yeah. Right. So, and I do think there are some cool, um, like the Cavaliers just dropped a cool project where the NFTs actually.
2: There are so many cool. Potentially, potentially cool partnerships with sports, with music, with movies. There is so much cool stuff you do with NFTs. But we're in the top of the first inning here. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I watched the uh, Beanie Baby documentary, Be- uh, uh, Beanie Mania. It was great, it's fantastic. On HBO? On HBO. By the way, I haven't watched the Carl Icahn documentary yet, but I, I had a dream about it. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I had a dream. Of- I had a dream about the documentary last night, but I haven't seen it. I, it was, I don't know. It was like Carl Icahn was in my dream last night. It's very strange. That's
1: scary. Yeah.
2: Anyway, uh, we're going to have Jesse Kaler on from Elite Trading, I hope, in a few minutes. If not, we're uh, just sort of hanging out, you know, shooting the shit, doing what we do. Um. Don't make me look at the spy again, whoever just said that in the chat. And we just made a new low of the day. All right, whatever. Call me when we're at four twenty, okay?
1: No, four twenty two because I want to buy some down there. That's right. That's our balance. Four
2: twenty two is just David's moving average, uh, or pivot point, whatever he uses. Yeah. Um,
1: wait, we're not at new lows of the day.
2: We were just a moment ago. What
1: are you talking about whatever? You
2: guys have so many stocks you want us to talk about? I'm looked at DraftKings for a while. I have a hunch where where it is. Oh my god, twenty bucks. Twenty dollars, yo! Oh, it's gonna fill that gap. It's up. Okay, okay. Oh, it's up nine bucks. Trade, trade here, Aaron. A trade to fill that gap, that earnings gap. Look at that gap from the seventeenth. What was the low? Twenty. Oh, it's a dollar away.
1: So, so it's going to twenty-one. You're saying?
2: Yeah, and twenty-two. Is what
1: I'm saying. So you're saying I should buy some short dated calls? Okay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and try
3: this here out. <laughs>
2: A DraftKings fill the gap trade. How do we feel about this? Uh, SFT for a lotto? What the, what the hell was SFT? All right, I'm filled. What the hell is SFT? What? Already? Yep. Holy crap. Expiring on Friday? Yep. Whoa, boy. $22? 23
1: uh, I got $21
2: calls. $21 calls?
1: Yep. Okay. They probably weren't very expensive. No, they were not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got ourselves
2: a trade and um you, you know you know what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to do the Palantir trade
1: right now. Uh so remind us again what the trade was for for some folks who may have just joined us. The pal- the myself the, the, pal-
2: the Palantir trade was we're, we're basically catching a knife here. slash buying the dip slash calling a bottom. And we're gonna put the Palantir trade on now, and we're gonna set our stop. I'm gonna give myself some breathing room. I could set my stop at yesterday's low, which is uh, ten thirty. That's only only thirty cents away. What I'm what I'm actually gonna do is go, I'm gonna set my stop at um, what I said the all time low, low was eight ninety, I think. The all time low was eight dollars. So let's do, do 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 do. Oh, it was nine, oh, nine twenty. Nine twenty? Nine eighteen. All right. So we're gonna buy pounds here and then we're gonna immediately throw a stop loss order out at or or I could do a soft stop and just do a price alert. Nah, fuck no. Nah. Definitely not. <laughs> Doing a hard stop, and I'll I'll put it at like nine, nine twenty. So so we're gonna place an order to buy Palantir right now. I'm not necessarily interested in getting the best price at this second. So I'm gonna just go ahead and place a market order. I'm going to buy ten shares of Palantir, and that has been purchased now. Go in, and I'm going to place. And I'm on a Weeble, and I'm on my phone, which is not great, but whatever. I'm going to place a stop loss order at what did I say nine. What did I say nine, nine, 920? I think it's said nine twenty. That's your stop. Yeah, a buckin a buck and a half away. Okay. Nine. Uh, i I could have bought leaps ah eh, too late the to ghost nine twenty is my stop loss good till canceled and we are set. So I'm not good at using, at using the Weeble app. Okay. There we go. So I'm in Palantir from right now. Stop loss at 920. That's that.
1: You want to know my bold prediction for the day, Spencer? Yeah, sure. I think the Q's finish green. The Q's finish
3: green?
1: Yeah. What are the Vegas odds on that? One to a hundred, hundred to one? Wow. Probably 10 to 1.
2: You think we're, we're going to go up $4, four points in the next two hours, two hours and 20 minutes, 18 minutes?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I and mean, when you put it that way, it sounds tough. I but mean, someone else was calling for a rally in the chat. I liked whoever that was. Glass, glass half fall, glass half full kind of guy. I would take the other side of that, bet. Um all right, well how about this then? Higher or lower than the current point? Thirty three or we'll call it three hundred and thirty-four dollars. Uh, I'll say higher. Well that's no fun. Um
2: yeah, Patrick, I, I'm kinda taking the other side of that coin though. I'm taking I'm saying Kathy is causing some selling pressure. Right? Maybe the pressure abates.
1: I don't know. I might, well, actually, I've already got a YOLO out there now with the draft. Although it was very, that's a very, that was a very small trade for me. I kind of just want to YOLO some, like, TQQ calls. Like, everyone's so bearish that who, I guess I'm going against Trend there, but Trend is your friend. I don't know. All right, bottom line, who knows with this market? This market has no, I mean, it does know what it wants to do. It wants to go down. Uh, like we said, every rip you can sell. This morning, Q's opened up like a percent. Sell that rip. Then they bounced. Sell that rip. Now they might bounce again. Are we going to sell that rip? That would be the smart thing to do, right?
2: Buying rips, selling dips has worked f- since the summer, basically, to some extent.
1: Um, yeah. This market has not been fun to be long in the past uh Month or so.
2: No, which is why it's good to get short exposure via shorting or inverse ETFs or options, and this will lead me to plug the fact that tomorrow on Benzing Alive we are doing our weekly short selling segment with Trade Zero, but we're going to do short selling trivia on tomorrow's show. Just like we do every week, we actually we didn't do trivia last week. We're doing trivia tomorrow. With the trade zero guys, all about short selling. We're gonna give away some, some swag, and trade zero will also give away something of value. Um, oh, does he? Yeah, I really try not to keep up with like what the uh, what the what 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 other people because I try not to follow other people, right? I try to just like if I'm gonna buy someone, it's because it's because.
1: I want to buy it. Not yeah, and I, and I and I love Tom Nash. And out of all those, uh, we we've had Tom Nash on the show before, Pat yeah. I'll, I'll reach out to him. Um, out of like all like the financial stock influencers, you can you can go to Tom Nash is top tier, one of the best. Uh, but I will say, anytime you're like that deep into a position, and this doesn't this isn't just with stocks, this is with anything. You'll you be you become. Um, I kind of subconsciously biased yep right if you're if you're so bullish say tesla everything you read is going to reaffirm that position on why you're bullish tesla and you know why all the bears are wrong so i think it's important and and again like i said this goes for everything not just stocks i think it's important to kind of try to play devil's advocate by yourself or with yourself say like okay well what if i'm wrong let me hear out this bear case uh, does that hold any credence? And 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 be okay with kind of reassessing uh, some of your positions because I've had times where I've been way bullish a stock and then I eh, you know I, I don't I don't like it anymore and, and here's why and it's okay to to uh, change change your mind.
2: Yes, never get married to a position. Whoa,
1: bot in the chat, get out of here, bot. We kind of need the bot in the chat. Our viewers are low. We need more bots in the chat. Yeah,
2: well, I—I I mean, today's a, is not a great day for—we—we—we were we, we light on the guest front today, so we're just sort of hanging out, and then uh, we'll hop off at two o'clock when the roadmap ends. But is Jesse coming on here? Does does he have a? The links are on the calendar invite. I don't see him. I could text him. Real did quick. you? Can can you can you text him? Yeah, for me. Thank you. While I. Uh, look up how I'm doing on my dumb Palantir trade. Okay. Good. Just check, just checking. Um Okay. Sorry, what what other stocks did you all want to talk about? I asked and then I um I kind of
1: uh Oh oh, didn't. I had one more thing I wanted to talk about.
2: Oh ATT. We talked yeah, talking ATT. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't what I wanted to
1: talk about. Okay, what's up? Spotify. Did you see the, the big Spotify news today? No, oh, I didn't. I have no idea what you're talking about. Alright, let me show you. And then we we'll do AT T after. This to me, I mean, is just. I don't. I don't get it. I don't know how you can have a. What's Spotify's market cap? Ten bill. Twenty eight. Twenty eight bill. I don't know how you can have a twenty eight billion dollar company, and this is the best you can do. Spotify's car thing. That's the. That's what it's called. That's what it's called. The car thing goes on sale for 90 bucks. What what does the car thing do? It's like a little screen that allows you to click next on your, I mean, I don't, I really don't understand it, right? You're playing Spotify off your cell phone. Why do you need a different screen to click next on the song? Spotify's car thing, the dashboard accessory that controls Spotify on your phone is now widely available to buy in the US to come. I mean, is it for people who like, whose cars don't have a way for you that, that you click next on the song? I, I really don't understand. I'm not trying to be, like, facetious here, like, making fun of of Spotify. I, I just really, really do not understand the utility of this, considering to, to play Spotify in your car, you already are going to have to have your phone, which this is, like, the same thing, right? It so,
2: sounds like it. It sounds like I'm not sure why I need it, but then again, I
1: don't gets you the car thing itself, which also, like, I don't know if they're trying to be funny, but calling it the car thing, it's just like, you're a billion-dollar company. You should be able to do a little bit better. I don't know. They're, they're trying to be glib. Whatever. Um, Spotify says it found people with car thing. Listen to the service more while in their cars. Okay. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe they just want it in people's cars because then the people are going to feel... <laughs>
2: It's or, funny you mentioned the, the, this product today, because just
1: the other day, this is last oh, week. Oh wait, or I, 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 sorry, I'm gonna let you finish. I, no. I, I didn't read this part, but my colleague Ashley Carmen tried the device out last year. She found it wasn't a great deal better than her existing solution of having her phone mounted on the dash. That's because it's the same exact thing. People said that about the iPad.
2: Well, it's the same exact thing as a phone, just bigger. What do I need an iPad
1: for? But what were you going to say before
2: I interrupt? No, you? no. So I was going to say, oh, wait, I brought AT&T up. Um, I haven't heard much about the great battle for the dashboard. Um, you guys remember a few years ago, that was a, that was a thing? There was, there was one screen, and only one screen, that people cannot look away from. They, they, they are, they're, they're glued to it. They're trapped. And that screen is the dashboard. We can put away our phones, we can put away our computers, we can turn off the TV. We cannot turn off the dashboard in the car. It is on and we are married to it. And there is a whole big thing about the companies that are, that are, that are uh, angling to control the dashboard of the future, whether it's, it was like Spotify and Apple Music and Pandora when that was a thing. Um, all these companies that are that were investing in owning the dashboard because it was the one screen that you can't turn off, and I haven't heard much about that in, for a while.
1: Well, it's interesting because I and I don't know, I, I might be wrong because I'm not the biggest car guy in the world, but I'm pretty sure like every single new model of car coming out over the past two years like has Apple Play built into it or or the. There we go. Uh, Maybe Apple One. Right, or has the equivalent of Apple Play, but for Google, like they have both options. And if you have,
2: yeah, that's a great point, Greg. Greg Weg. Greg Weg. I'm not saying that. But oh yes. yeah,
1: yeah. What, what was Black Trade, BlackBerry trying to do with their car? Well, there's oh, still. It's because, it's because yeah, like in cars, the Bluetooth is yeah. run by BlackBerry a lot of the time. If you say to your car, "Hey, call Spencer," it's BlackBerry using that or BlackBerry's powering that um, technology. But if you already have Apple Play, there's just no point for the spot. Of, MDK actually brings up the the first. Uh, like real use case to me for that Spotify thing is might be good for letting your pack because I don't know like I, I mean I'll let my passengers just on my phone but maybe some people don't want to hand their phone over to a, to a passenger in their car so they can maybe for Ubers or
3: something I don't know
2: alright I, I got talked into buying Blackberry um, in like January of last year like basically it was like 13 months ago before the short squeeze right yeah I, I got talked into buying Blackberry like or it was like here and I sold it. I don't know, halfway up. I, I sort of like thirteen. I think I bought it at seven and sort of thirteen in like a week. It was ridiculous. Um. And I sold it because I because th- it got short squeezed. And the the thesis remains convincing, but I mean the stock is 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 a dog. BlackBerry. So, yeah.
1: I, yeah, Um, I, uh, what was the, what, what is, what is Blackberry trying to do? They were like a 5g play somehow.
2: No, they're trying to control the the technology in your car. That's what it is. That's what, that's what they're doing. Okay. Um, okay. Wait, so there is a question about AT&T. And so here's the thing with AT&T. So you, uh, whoever asked, uh, I think it was uh thrifty. Am I getting free shares? Uh, no, nothing in life is free. You're not getting free shares. What's going to happen, Thrifty, is AT&T is doing the spin-off. Right, they're spinning off Warner Media, which is a unit of their business, um, and they're, then that that Warner Media is then merging with Discovery to create a new company. So if you if you are an AT&T shareholder, you are going to get that new company. What's going to happen is a, the, the AT&T stock is going to drop. By the value of the spinoff, right? So if AT&T here, let's just say if the let's not just say it, we can we can see it. AT&T is a 170 billion dollar company. Let's just pretend hypothetically Warner Media is um, uh, uh, 10% of their business. Then theoretically, this uh, the market cap should fall by 10%. So 17% on the market cap and 10% on the stock which is um 2.3 dollars uh and then you would then get the value of that drop in whatever you had in ATT, you're going to get the equivalent in um in the new company so there there's there's a spin-off ratio right and 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 this is all public it's in we, maybe we can find it in the in the filing or the press release here here, well, let's go. Let's go to the news feed. Let's go to Ben Singapore News Feed. Let's go search for AT and T, and we're going to search for M and A headlines. Let's see if we can find any. Um,
1: Spencer, I, I just had an idea.
2: Any details about this merger? Uh, so it's a it's a spinoff. So okay, AT and T is going to receive a cash infusion. Shareholders will receive. Uh, as an ATT shareholder, you will you will own a majority of a stake in this new company compared to the Discovery shareholders. Um is there a ratio here? There, I don't see a ratio in this article. Um basically the value of your AT&T is gonna decline. And four to one. And you're gonna four to one is that someone says then you're gonna get that equivalent value worth of the new company stock. That's what it comes down to. I hope I explained that well. I don't know if I did. Four to one, it, wait, that doesn't make sense. Doesn't
1: make sense. That's just one in the chat said. Um, sorry, Warren, uh saying producer A.B. and Spencer, my call options on Valet have been tanking. I added three more call options. Strike thirty. I mean, Valet has been so hot. It's been literally the best performing stock like this year. Wait, is he talking about Valet, the mining company, or Vale,
2: the? I think the energy company. Well, please clarify, one. He's probably talking about Valet, the mining, the the miner, not not Vale, the skiing.
1: No, yeah, he's not. No, that's spelled. Yeah, Vale Resorts is V A I L. V A.
2: My bad. My bad. Okay. Okay. You win. Um. Uh, I don't know where Jesse is. I'll we'll have to text him. I, 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 I
1: texted him. He said, he said the link didn't work for some reason, but he said he'd, he'd just hop on with us tomorrow or Friday. Cause all right. We only got a few minutes anyway. But cool, here's, cool, cool. Here's my idea, uh, Spencer. Yeah. We should create two portfolios or watch lists and have them be like the same exact, say like 10 stocks, but they're just competitors, right? So in mine, I have FedEx, you have UPS. In yours, you have Verizon, I have AT&T. In mine, I have Coke, you have Pepsi. And we see, like, does it matter being in the same industry? You know, because like, hypothetically, the stocks should move together, they're in the same industries. Does it matter, or like, how big of a difference does it matter picking the winners uh, in the industry or just having kind of the right industry?
2: I see what you're saying. So like, create a model portfolio.
1: Where, where? With competitors. So uh, our our model portfolios right. are 100% different. They're all different stocks, but they're exact competitors. So you know, AT&T we, and Verizon. Um, all right. FedEx UPS. Lowe's Home Depot. All
2: right. Can we set this up? Can we? Let's, yeah. do the, the, let's make a paper account somewhere.
1: And then we'll, we'll have a draft. So we'll put the 20 names out there. We'll do 10 stocks, 20 competitors, and we'll have a draft where you get a pick, then I get the other one that's paired with it. I get a pick, you get the other one that's paired with it. All right.
2: Okay. Uh let's do this on a paper account. You wanna do it on like on like Weeble or Robinhood or something?
1: Uh Robinhood doesn't have paper traded. Oh then not all right.
2: Let's find let's find I a think place. Easiest, paper. I
1: th- I think interactive brokers honestly might be the easiest place to paper trade.
2: Okay. I don't have an IV account. I can make one.
1: It's pretty well actually I don't know if it is easy. Maybe it's easy to make a paper account on there. Um, be quiet, Siri.
2: Um All right, that's a good idea. Maybe let's
1: do that next week. Okay. Okay, and we'll oh, still... we'll do it. Oh, yeah, we should do the draft live on the show. Yeah, we'll com- we'll uh, create the portfolios, yeah. and then we'll just keep an eye on it. Yeah, yeah, AMD versus Nvidia—that's a good one.
2: So what we're gonna do is we're gonna just pro- we're, we're gonna provide a list. We're gonna say, hey, ten industries, five stocks per industry. Pick one in each. Wait, hold on. Say that again. Ten different industries or sectors. Uh-huh. We're gonna.
1: Give five competitive five stocks in each one.
2: Oh, so now there's five competitors. Well, but we're gonna pick one though. You get See, to the pick only
1: one. thing is, I want them to be like direct because there are some companies um, that, like, I don't know if they're exact. I'm trying to think. Like an example, okay, like AT and T and Verizon. You could argue like, oh, AT and T's got Warner Bros. or they've got all these. We're not other, anymore. Not anymore, right? But I'm yeah. saying things like that, where like yeah. a company has a different part of the company to where it's not an yeah. exact competitor. Yeah, I guess no company is going to be an exact.
2: Well, yeah, because Pepsi has way more diversified than than, than
1: than. Right, Coke. Co- that, yeah. That, when I said that, that like popped yeah. in my head. Like Pepsi, you've got Frito Lay. Yeah. Got, yeah. All right, Ford versus Chevy. See, that's a good one. Chevy's not public. <laughs> uh, all right, we got a wrap though. It was a good idea. We have come to, to the
2: end of our show. That's a good idea, Christian. We should just do it that way. Um, <laughs> the roadmap is coming up live right now. Talking NFTs. We got to run. I've been on stream all day and i'm tired so smash that like button thanks for hanging out with us, guys i hope you had fun these last couple hours or so we'll catch you guys later everyone have a good rest of your day and uh stay green out there